Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we talk about the latest Xbox news for the week of November 16, 2023, including Modern Warfare 3 is out and causing some unique trouble for this behemoth franchise. WB Games talks about their future approach to game development, Baldur's Gate 3 is getting a release date for Xbox very soon, and more. This day in Xbox history, in the year 2010, 13 years ago, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit was released for the Xbox 360, developed by Criterion and published, of course, by EA. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, I feel like, was the last Need for Speed that, like, mm, well, I guess maybe this is the second last one. I feel like Hot Pursuit got a lot of good press. It, it, nothing ever really brought Need for Speed back to that, like, golden era of, like, I don't know, I guess Underground 1 and 2 were the ones people last really cared about. But then I feel like Most Wanted 2012 was pretty was pretty good, but Hot Pursuit was one of the last one of the last Need for Speeds where I feel like universally people were pretty much like positive on it. Hot Pursuit being the one I actually never played Hot Pursuit. I know this is the one that introduced the whole like uh, evade uh, evading the cops kind of like the getaway like pursuit type mechanic that a lot of Need for Speed games either have some form of now or. Uh, or like you know, some, or maybe like some other mode where that's implemented. I don't, I don't know. I never played Hot Pursuit, so I, I don't know what was so special about it. But I believe people when they say it was good. But yeah, 2012's uh, Most Wanted that came out two years after this game. That's the last Need for Speed I really got my jollies on. And then after that, I mean, honestly, Need for Speed is still fine. Um, like the one that came out, what's the one that came out last year? Not Carbon. It wasn't Carbon. It's Unbound. Like, they're still good. They're still fine. It's just like, I don't know. Why would you play these when you could play literally any other racing franchise? It's just, it's difficult. Need for Speed's like a, I feel like a good brand that just hasn't really had the shot in the arm it's needed to kind of reinvigorate it. But honestly, I don't know what that, uh, I don't know what that shot in the arm is. I feel like maybe what they need to do with Need for Speed is just make Need for Speed Underground remake. Like, from the ground up remake with like full love and treatment. Kind of like how Capcom does with these Resident Evil remakes. Do something like that for Need for Speed Underground, and maybe then you can get everyone's attention again and have it be like a big hurrah for the franchise. And then use that as kind of a reset for the franchise to get people hyped on it again. And then from there, you can make something similar, like a new game that's kind of in that vein. But I feel like they have done things that are like Underground, but they just don't get attention for it. I don't know. Need for Speed's a weird franchise. Clearly, it does well enough. EA keeps making them. So, I mean, they, they make enough money that they justify the existence of the brand, but such a i don't know this is one of those franchises it, it used to mean so much and it just kind of lingers and exists still but no one really talks about it or loves it anymore but i appreciate you need for speed i never did watch your what is that paul what's that guy's name paul freaking from the guy from breaking bad that plays jesse paul something and uh he played the guy in the need for speed movie that came out in like 2014 or something never saw that movie but um it yeah Fast and Furious, I saw that one, which is kind of like Need for Speed, in that I don't know why they keep making them, 
But hey, that's it for this day in Xbox gaming history. You guys, welcome to Xbox On Podcast. It's a podcast about Xbox. It is on if you're listening to it. And I do want to, before we get into the show this week, just real quick, give you a little heads up for next week because uh, this is the last episode of Xbox On that I'm recording in uh, the apartment where it all started. So next week I'm moving, and due to that, I don't know exactly what things are going to look like with my ability to record a regular episode of the podcast at the same time I normally do. Now, let me let me back up a second. Right now, we're 233 weeks into Xbox On. One thing I can promise you is there will be an episode of the podcast next Thursday. I'm not I'm not missing. I'm not going to let something as trivial as moving into a house stop me from uh, putting out another podcast to all 605 of you. I, I, I doubt this podcast reaches that many people. But anyway, I, I'm not going to let it stop me from putting out a new episode of the podcast. So very rest assured, there will be an episode next Thursday like there is every week. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because there's one of two ways this can play out. Either... I think regardless, I'm going to do kind of an evergreen topical show that I'm going to record this weekend, edit it, get it loaded on up, uploaded, and then just schedule it to release on Thursday morning. And it will just be kind of like a topical show about not the news because, you know, I'll have to record it early. Um, And if that's the case, I got a fun idea in mind. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It'll be a surprise when it comes out. And that's what next week's episode will be. It'll be kind of like a some little special, something like what we would normally do during the slow holiday period, usually at the end of December, or kind of like what we did last year when I had to go out of town and uh, I did a a really fun interview with with an Xbox employee. So expect something in that vein uh, if for whatever reason things don't go well. If things somehow go best case scenario, like I'm able to get everything moved over to the house in no time at all, Spectrum Internet for some reason doesn't fail me and is able to set everything up perfectly, beautifully on time, and I got my whole freaking PC unpacked and, and set up in the office room and everything. If everything goes best case scenario, there's like a, a like a 50% chance I'll be able to record the regular podcast Wednesday night like I normally do. I'm just going to say right now, don't don't count on it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, I, I'm okay with making promises if, if, if the factors are solely in my control but in this case it's just i'm i can't rely on like the 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 the, the developer and the freaking mortgage company and the internet company and all these parties to do exactly what they need to do in order to put me in a position to be able to record the podcast on time so i am promising you an episode of xbox on next thursday i'm not promising whether or not it will be an up-to-date news episode or if it'll be more of like a topical evergreen kind of fun episode uh, so just want to put that out there because got to set the expectation uh, so that if next week you uh, check your your podcast app of choice and you're like, oh, it's episode 234 of Xbox on. What's he talking about this weekend? And it's like episode 234. Uh, Activision really did have a bake sale to raise money for for uh, homeless kittens in Los Angeles. You'll be like, what the fuck is this episode about? And then and then you'll listen to it and you'll hear me say, well, guys, if you're listening to this, I'm in the process of moving. Oops, I just dropped a box on my toe. That really hurt. Anyway, I'm here sitting with Dan of Activision, who's talking about a new cat adoption program that they got going on. Oh, wait, Bobby Kodak is now sexually harassing and accusing all of the uh, cats of, of being whores. And, uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, he's getting a promotion. Oh, no, he just made another three bill. Anyway, I don't mean to spill the whole, you know, the whole show for you. Got to save some of it for uh, next week. But anyway, that's uh, check that off the list. Now you know what's going on next week. And with that said, let's jump back into this week's show. Man, I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't listen to this podcast. Guys, let's uh, 
open up as we do every week talking about the notable game releases of the week while there are a couple of games worth talking about uh it, it is also worth noting that we are finally through like the thick of the holiday game release schedule i know there's still a few pretty notable games coming out we still got pandora avatar and all that stuff but um i feel you know i feel like we're past it now call of duty's out alan wake is out sonic's out spider-man not much more to uh get super hyped on although we do have some games coming out still this year that you know we'll talk about this week that that i think people will be pretty hyped about especially on xbox but more on that later in the meantime i do want to say this week already out now as of the time of this recording teardown is available for xbox series s and x uh this is that kind of minecraft destruction looking game that was shown at one of those events earlier this year i don't know if it was the xbox showcase or maybe it was a playstation showcase that was shown at. i don't know uh, I forget, but yeah, there's se- seem to be a lot of intrigue in this game. Apparently, it's quite popular on Steam, but as of now, it's available on Xbox as well, so there you go. And then also, Persona 5 Tactica is out on Xbox Series, Xbox One, and PC. It is a day one Game Pass game, and it is available this Friday the 17th. So yeah, this was announced at Xbox's showcase earlier in the year, and it's obviously something notable if you're a Persona 5. It's a tactics game. It's Persona. You mash it all together. It seems like it's uh, the reception is that it's like, solid but not like amazing or anything but you know i'm sure persona fans regardless will eat this up just like i would if it were a sonic game you know i don't care about the metacritic of any sonic game i'll just play it and love it and tell you why you're stupid for not loving it the way i do no matter how it turns out so i respect it i understand persona fans i know what it's like so anyway those are the new games releasing this week and we'll talk about some other games later in the show that are coming soon but uh until then until we get there let's just smooth on in to our opening segment of the uh, news segment of the, of the week, the mildly amusing stories and or updates from last week. And I want to open up this week with uh, not so much a story as a comment uh, that kind of just points to something that it's timely. It's, let's celebrate. Let's talk about it. Arctic Chief writes in the best chief that's ever written in the podcast. And he says, happy birthday, Xbox. Happy birthday, Halo. And happy birthday to me. Well, Arctic Chief, if it really is your birthday, happy birthday, buddy. Uh, but yes, it is, as of the day we're recording this, November 15th, it is the Xbox's birthday. It is Halo's birthday. And Arctic Chief says, I wanted to brag a little at first and say that my brother got me a st- got me Steve Downs to send a video message for my birthday. And it was amazing. Hearing Chief call me out and wish me a happy birthday was everything I dreamed of. In other news, I found out I found some Mountain Dew game fuel, bought $70 worth of it. No, I'm not joking. Food prices are ridiculous, and my man, I am ready to play some refueled Halo maps this weekend. I hope you had a great week. Thank you for hanging in, Arctic Chief, and I hope you're having a great week as well. And if again, if it's truly your birthday, happy birthday, man. Shout out to you. You never looked better. 20, 27 and a half looks great on you. But yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday, uh, Xbox. Happy birthday, Halo. And with that, as Arctic Chief alludes to here, Halo is celebrating, as of now, uh, where there's this refueled Halo Maps update for Halo Infinite, where they've gotten seven of the best forgery created maps of Halo 3 from Halo 3. So they took they took seven really popular Halo 3 maps, recreated them in Forge. I think they're all like community made, but they selected the best ones and put them in a playlist called the refueled ma- uh, playlist. And it's kind of like a throwback celebration anniversary type thing where you can play all these old Halo 3 maps in Halo Infinite. And it's kind of a promotional thing with the new Mountain Dew game feel that came out that's all Halo themed. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's just like a fun way to kind of like celebrate Xbox, celebrate Halo, and, and go back to the simpler time of 2007 where nobody complained about 
high fructose corn syrup as long as it had master chief on the can it was a damn fine soda and we all played halo 3 and uh and it was it was good it was a simple time it was a better time and uh we were all we were all proud and we had more hair and we were all younger and had better cholesterol and it was just it was just a good time so i'm looking forward to playing these maps dude hopefully as soon as i'm done with this move next week that's the first thing i'm doing is cracking open a cold one and playing these refueled halo maps and of course by cold one i mean mountain dew game fuel but but yeah that's awesome i i I didn't know steve downs was still doing that but i saw a lot of that especially during the pandemic where like yeah you could like you can like hire him to like do customized video messages and he does it in the uh, in the in the Master Chief voice, which is pretty awesome. So that's pretty freaking cool that your brother got you the Steve Downs video message. He's probably like, "Happy birthday, Arctic!" No, oh, no, that's more Duke Nukem than than it is Master Chief. All right, I'm actually not going to do a Master Chief voice, but he was probably like, "Happy birthday, Arctic Chief! You have a big penis!" And then he blew into one of those little birthday noisemakers, like mm, little party makers, you know. And then he blew into one of those, and then it ended. And you're like, "Wow." I can't believe I just heard Master Chief say penis, and then and then you looked at your cake, and it said you're old, and you blew out the candles, and it was all it was all worth it. So I hope you're having a great day. Shout out to Xbox, happy birthday, Xbox. Twenty two never looks so good on you. And then also happy birthday to you, uh, Chris. I'm gonna assume there's a guy out there in the audience named Chris, and that it's it is or is very close to his birthday right now. So happy birthday, Chris. You have a great week as well. Hey, aren't you glad you ate all those vegetables as a kid because you, your, the freaking, your, your nail health is out of control. Like the healthiest fingernails I've ever seen. So that's good. All right. Moving on from Xbox and Arctic Chiefs birthdays, uh, let's talk about some Black Friday deals. So, it, it, you know, just for context, it is going to be a bit of a slower news week. Uh, there's just, it, it is just that kind of lull before the game, uh, the, the game awards. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh, actually, we'll talk about that like next. But in the meantime, I wanted to talk about Black Friday real quick because uh, Xbox has announced their full lineup of Black Friday deals that they're running. So it actually starts this Friday on November 17th. Microsoft's offering up to 50% off like 100 or 1,000 different games, a bunch of Xbox first-party games. Um, They're also offering um, $10 off Xbox controllers and 50 bucks off uh, series S and X consoles, including the new uh, the new Game Pass bundle that comes with a Series S and three months of Game Pass for two fifty. So lots of little deals there if you want to save some money on hardware, uh, controllers, consoles, or um, or or just some games. I saw that Diablo Four is like almost fifty percent off. It's like 40 something percent off. So lots of good deals here. There's some games as high as seventy five percent off, but that's not. You know, not like first party shit. You're not going to get like Modern Warfare 3 or anything like that for 75% off. But tons and tons of games are on sale and it's definitely worth checking out. So you can see the whole list on Xbox Wire, although I'm sure you'll probably see this on your Xbox dashboard in about a day. So be on the lookout if you're if you're trying to find some new games to play or just want to stock up on your backlog and add more fuel to the uh, I'll never get to these games fire. Um, this is a great way to buy some shit you don't need. God knows I'll probably be uh, for trying my hardest not to be scrolling through and, and impulse buying a couple of games due to this fire sale. But um, just thought I'd put that out there as like a little note because it's exciting. It's fun, right? Okay, so next up, I do want to just real tu- real quick touch on um, something with the Game Awards. Let's just have this conversation. I don't, I don't really know where to put this. I feel like we could talk about this as the main story, but it's not really all that newsworthy. But anyway, so this week, the Game Awards, the Jeff Keighley-hosted Game Awards put out the nominees for all their major categories. Um, And of course, you know, the number one that everyone's going to focus on is the game of the year nominees. And so 
as is usually the case, they have six games that have been officially nominated for Game of the Year. And then on December 7th, when the Game Awards takes place, we'll see the official awards handed out and see who the winners are. But I, I thought we'd talk about this for a little bit because, man, I, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of ways to think and feel about this. Um, so let me just go ahead and read the six nominees. This is in order of how they list them. So the contenders for Game of the Year 2023, mind you, a phen- phenomenal year for gaming. Just so many good games coming out left and right throughout the entirety of this year. We got Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So those are your six games. Right off the bat, Alan Wake 2, no doubt in my mind, that needs to be there. Baldur's Gate 3, that needs to be there just because I think it's, it's even though I didn't play it and I have no interest in ever playing this game, is so clearly one of those games that caught the world by storm. It's very much like the way Witcher or Elden Ring kind of played out where it's like no one... You know, people knew it was going to be fine, but everyone kind of expected this is one of those games for that very specific audience. And then the game came out and kind of caught everyone off guard and became an instant phenomenon that made everyone, even people who would normally not play a game like this, suddenly stop and pay attention. So I understand why Baldur's Gate 3 is there. And it's cool to see a team like Larian Studios rise up through the ranks and become like this renowned all of a sudden. And I respect that. That's cool. So we got Alan Wake. We got Baldur's Gate. I'm here for it. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Listen, Insomniac's one of my favorite game developers of all time. Haven't played this game yet. Can't wait to play it one day. While I'm sure it is just more Spider-Man and it's probably not groundbreaking, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I thought the 2018 Spider-Man and both Miles Morales as well were excellent games, and I'm, I'm sure this game is phenomenal. Whatever. That's fine. Resident Evil 4 Remake? Uh, there's a whole thing to be said about why we have remakes in this in this nominee, especially in a year where there's so many incredible original games that have never come out before, like 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 what we're about to talk about, uh, like Skyrim. Like what what the hell is a remake doing here? I'm not. That's not to discredit. I'm sure Resident Evil 4 remake is phenomenal. I'm sure it is an absolute masterpiece of a game. I know the original Resident Evil 4 is widely considered one of the great games of all time. So I get it, but at the same time. You know, we, it's such a busy, jam-packed year full of so many notable games. And even though Resident Evil 4 Remake, I'm sure, is phenomenal, it's like, you're really going to put a remake of a game from 2004 up? Okay, all right, let's all right, let's move on. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, listen, I'm not here to judge Mario's best gaming franchise. I'm sure this game's phenomenal. I can't wait to find some free time and extra money to justify sitting down with this thing on my Nintendo Switch. So I, I am looking forward to playing that game. I'm, I'm sure it will be good, but... Whatever, that's fine. I, I can accept Mario Wonder. And then Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, that doesn't surprise me at all. Listen, I'm not even going to get into it. If Nintendo puts out a game like that, you listen, with the way games media is and the way everyone's so, like, bonerifically nostalgic for Nintendo and anything they do, it's like, of, of course Zelda's going to be there. We don't need to talk about that. So everything here kind of makes sense, right? Nintendo, Mario, Zelda, Baldur's Gate, Alan Wake. Not going to disagree with any of these. Spider-Man, it's like, uh, it's not going to be that game that like pushes the medium forward and necessarily like reinvents the wheel and like blows people's minds. But it is going to be that blockbuster game that satisfies 100% of people who play it and is going to be a great time. You know, whether it, re- whether it makes you rethink the way you feel about games, whether it like pushes the envelope in storytelling or new gameplay mechanics, which it probably doesn't do any of those things. There's no doubt that a game like Spider-Man is probably just absolute pure joy and excitement to play and so i can get i can get behind that it's 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 a little weaker than the competition right but i can get behind that logic but resident evil 4 remake is here and what hogwarts legacy isn't 
and that's not to say Resident Evil 4 is not a better game than Hogwarts Legacy, but it's like, I mean, come on, that game took the fucking world by storm. We're going to ignore that? Freaking Starfield's not here? Are you kidding? Sonic Sonic Superstars isn't here? Are you kidding me? Even something like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which, while, you know, I don't give a shit if that game like that makes it here or not, it's like, that's just such a notable game. And if we're putting remakes on the list, it's like, what about Dead Space Remake? Because apparently that was pretty phenomenal as well. So, like, where's that? And then you got games like Liza P, which were apparently really, really phenomenal. And people like everyone's like, wow, I cannot believe how amazing this is as a Souls-like game and not a proper Souls game. And so it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, having a game on this list, like, uh, having a game on this list, like, like, like Resident Evil 4 really makes me start to, to wonder. It's like, well, well, why not this game? And why not that game? And Resident Evil really and doesn't Alan Wake 2 kind of give you already a little bit of that Resident Evil and survival horror kind of flair while also being a game that absolutely deserves to be here because because you know for for my money of these six games without a doubt and I I I know this is ignorant to say but I don't need to play any of these other games to to know that I feel this way Alan Wake 2 for you know by by all means it absolutely deserves to be the winner here and I don't think for a single second Alan Wake 2 will be the winner, just so we're clear. I think very easily the winner is going to be Baldur's Gate or Zelda. There's no there's no prayer of a chance the winner is anything other than Baldur's Gate or Zelda. Just absolutely that is the case. But, like, you got Alan Wake 2. It has that survival horror flair. You know, it has that Resident Evil inspiration. Why do we need to be redundant and then have re- not only Resident Evil, but a remake of Resident Evil? A great re- remake, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a phenomenal remake. And maybe the conversation needs to be had as to whether or not a remake deserves to be in the conversation for something like this. And and maybe it does. I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but in a year as jam-packed as this one, it just it just shocks me to see that there. And then this begs to question to, to question like the, what's going on with Starfield here? And I don't know, man, because I don't I don't want to be tinfoil hat and I don't want to be that fanboy that says this stuff but i really do wonder and let me let me preface with this i don't buy this narrative not fully at least that xbox is intentionally getting snubbed by the media and by the industry in the sense that like a game like like starfield would have been a 93 on metacritic gotten a 9 out of 10 from ign it would have freaking uh, sold an extra 3 million copies and been nominated game of the year and been def- a, a genre defining game and uh best best game of the decade. I, I don't believe that the difference between Microsoft owning Bethesda and Bethesda being independent and having a game like Starfield on PlayStation. I don't think the difference is, is, is the way people make it out to be where it's like people like outlets hate Xbox and, and game influencers hate Xbox. And that's why, Starfield is 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 a low eight and not a high nine, and that's why Starfield isn't here on the game of the the year contenders and things like that. I don't, I don't buy that. Not not full, not not fully at least. Like I, I don't, I I don't generally, genuinely believe that narrative. That like, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent what's happening. It's because it's Xbox. But at the same time, while while I really don't buy that, I also don't not buy it. Like I I I guess what I should say is like. I can't deny that it is there. It, there does seem to be at, at the very least some bad luck with Xbox. And we're about to talk about this a lot this episode when we get to what I've been playing and some of the early news or some of the, the, the first news story of the week. 
talking about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, where it's just like, it's kind of weird, right? That like Halo is this phenomenon, a phenomenon of a game. Microsoft buys the Halo IP from Bungie or they own Bungie and, and they're obsessed with Halo. And then Bungie wants to cut ties and move on. And, and, and Microsoft's like, well, we're not letting go of Halo. We're not stopping the Halo train. We got a whole new team. They'll do Halo. And then the second Bungie walks away and Microsoft's like, we got we got the Halo IP. We got this we, this gravy train can be rolling for years and years to come. Halo start, suddenly starts to dip in terms of like public perception and, and, and love with with everything after Bungie. And then it's like Microsoft buys buys Bethesda and it's like oh man these guys made they, they made they made Skyrim they made Fallout dude like this is a fucking money machine this is gonna do so good for us oh my god we're gonna be the owner of the freaking next generation game from the Skyrim guys like this is it this is gonna be that thing that makes Xbox such a force to be reckoned with again and then and then Starfield comes out and it's just like it's good you know like critics are like it's good but not great and then like you know you got people like me like freaking going to my friend's birthday party at the fucking bar downtown everyone's like you're playing skyrim mouth breather you know like that kind of shit where it's like i'm not i'm not saying that people arbitrarily hate starfield because xbox's affiliation or ownership but like I, I also see what you're saying when people make those assumptions or draw those conclusions, even though they might not, you know, you know, they might be connecting some far reaching dots, so to speak. Um, and then and then we see it happen again here where it's like where it's like, uh, I, I mean, you do you can you can pull this example out of your ass a million which ways when it comes to Xbox, man. I swear, like, look at Alan Wake 2. Here's Alan Wake 2 nominated for game of the year. Alan Wake 1 came out in May of 2010. It was an Xbox published game. It was an Xbox owned IP at the time. The game came out and the reviews were like, this game's pretty good. And a lot of people were like, eh, it's kind of weird. I don't know if I like this game. And it was kind of like a, a low selling cult classic, well liked, but not loved, not game of the year contender, but kind of like cool game that like this, this contingency of players liked. Long story short, Xbox eventually sells the IP back to the creator Remedy. Remedy goes independent. They're no longer working with Xbox anymore. They go with 505. They go with uh, Epic Games. They go with all these various publishers. They're working with Tencent. So they're doing all these different sorts of things. And now they make an Alan Wake 2 after all these years. And, and, and how does the world respond to Alan Wake when no longer it's affiliated with Xbox as an Xbox published game or an Xbox owned IP? Oh, Alan Wake 2 is simply the game of the year. It's a genre-defining game. It's such a brilliant masterpiece. Playing it on my PlayStation 5 simply made my brain receptors uh, just let off a, an electric charge that that made that sent tingles down the, the parts of my body I didn't even realize were still operative at this point in my life. And it's just like that kind of shit where it's like... They, mm. I, I don't believe that there's this narrative. I don't think the games media is out to get Xbox. I do think these Xbox fanboys are a little overreactive and overly sensitive. But at the same time, it's not like I don't see something happening here. And I, I don't have some bigger point I'm trying to make. It's just to say that there is something here. There is something going on. And I don't know what it is. But it's just like, damn. It's like you look at the spread here, right? Alan Wake, third party. Boulder's Gate. Technically third party, but due to technicality, kind of a PlayStation affiliated game. Spider-Man 2, that's a PlayStation game. Resident Evil 4, multi-platform. And then Mario and Zelda, of course, both Nintendo games. So we got two multi-plats, two PlayStation games, two, two Nintendo games. Fuck you, Xbox. 
You know, I understand why a game like Forza Motorsport wasn't nominated for Game of the Year or anything like that, although I think Forza Motorsport was an excellent game. Uh, you know, but and in, 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 I understand, you know, obviously Redfall was a failure for all intents and purposes, but I don't know, like, Hi-Fi Rush. Shouldn't a game like Hi-Fi Rush be, have been here before Resident Evil 4? Like, come on now. Like, at least Hi-Fi Rush... Brand new IP, super unique game, super innovative, really thoughtful, really creative, really different. Brand new Outbreak IP from a team that doesn't have a lot of success. Now they're part of Team Xbox. Tango Gameworks and Xbox, an unlikely marriage. They made this really unlikely game. It's phenomenal. People love it. Super badass, really like pleasant surprise to kind of kick off the year. Where's Hi-Fi Rush on the list? No? Oh, okay, but Resident Evil made it. Okay, all right, I get you. And I don't doubt I don't I don't blame people for picking a game like Spider-Man over Hi-Fi Rush. Obviously, Spider-Man's got way more appeal. Again, Spider-Man, I'm sure, is just an absolute joy to play. I can't wait to play Spider-Man finally. And well, I love Spider-Man so much, I would never complain about seeing a Spider-Man game up here. But I don't know. Like in in a way, doesn't a game like Hi-Fi Rush maybe deserve to be here more in a world where we're craving new and unique and innovative ideas? No? Okay, we just want sequels. Okay, cool. All right, here's your billionth Mario game, your billionth Zelda game, your billionth Spider-Man game, a sequel to Alan Wake, your third Boulder's Gate, and uh, your fifth remake of the fourth Resident Evil game. Cool. All right, cool. I'm glad to know this is... And and, and just to be clear about these, like, these these nominees aren't... It's not like this one dude who hate, who loves PlayStation and hates Xbox who sits in a room and, and stews on, like, the, these, these nominees are comprised of, like, uh, uh, votes from many public figures all around the industry, people who work in the industry, people who cover media, YouTubers, all that stuff. They get all these, like, people who are kind of, like, in the in crowd and they get together and they vote on these things and they nominate games and they kind of tally it up and weigh people differently. And that's, and that's how these games come to be and come to make this list. It's not like Jeff Keighley sits in his fucking Tesla model three and goes, ah, fuck Xbox, fuck Xbox. I'm going to put Resident Evil four. You know, it's not like he sits there on his fucking notes app on his iPhone and does this. Like it's, there's a little more intention and thought and effort put into it. It's just, I can't not notice that something's going on here. And it's just it's just weird, man. It's like why why is Xbox like never allowed to to get a win, man? But I don't know. Like uh, here, like click on a, a couple others, right? Uh, best game direction. You go to best game direction again. Nothing, uh, nothing there is from Xbox. Let's pick another category. Best ongoing game. You think, oh man, surely something like maybe like Sea of Thieves or something. Nope. Not, definitely not on there. Okay, cool, whatever. You think best RPG? Well, surely Skyrim's got to be best RPG. Okay, well, Skyrim's nominated. Okay, at least Skyrim's nominated for best RPG. It's also up against Baldur's Gate 3, so we'll see about that. <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like, Xbox doesn't really make it in here. I mean, you got, thankfully, Hi-Fi Rush at least made best art direction, so it's nominated for that award. So, you know, you got you got something here, and honestly, I... I for art direction, that's got to go to Alan Wake or Hi-Fi Rush, right? That's like, don't fucking give that to Zelda, for love of God. I see Liza P and Zelda. Come on now. Give that to Hi-Fi Rush. I don't know. We'll move away from that for now. And um, I just I just want to put all that out there because I just it just seems weird to me. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. And next year, Xbox is going to have some big games. We're going to have like fable and avowed and and all these things it's like i just i just wonder it's like are we gonna see any of these games get any love or are they all gonna end up in this like i feel like xbox has kind of permanently been pegged as this like um good but not great kind of like publisher like anything that comes out of xbox it's fun it's cool it's a good time 
but it's never like great. It's never masterful. It's never artistic or anything like that. That's always how Xbox kind of gets pegged. It's like, oh, good. We got more Bethesda with Starfield. We got more Halo with Halo Infinite. We got more, you know, more racing with Forza. But it's like, I, I don't know. I just feel like Xbox is kind of finally in a place where they're they're going a step further. Like, how is Diablo not in some of these categories? Wasn't Diablo 4 a huge game this year? Why am I not seeing Diablo? I'm sure it's, like, being nominated for something with multiplayer or a role-playing game or something like that. But, like, really? We're just, like, not going to talk about Diablo? But, okay, Resident Evil 4. I got it. I got you. So be it. So, anyway, that's, that's that. I'll get off my soapbox. I'm, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, I just hope Alan Wake 2 wins. Um, and then at the end of the day, from that conversation, I, I don't give a shit. Um, because I like Alan Wake in Starfield a lot, and those are the games of the year, and that's an objective truth. And if you don't agree with me, then you don't have my same opinion. And if you don't have my same opinion, you should go find a podcast where you agree with every single thing the host says, because if you find a podcast where you have to think or accept different opinions and views, then that's stupid. Then you're just challenging yourself, and you're probably a Nazi, so kill yourself. Anyway, let's move on, guys. Let's talk Let's talk about 505 Games and Warner Bros. And Nope, 505 Games and, 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 digital, and digital Bros. Sorry. Just want to put this out there. I don't know why we have this up here. This should be probably towards the end of the show because I don't have anything to say about this. We're going to keep seeing these stories, unfortunately, resurface week after week. But um, 505 Games, parent company Digital Bros, has said that they expect to cut approximately 30% of their workforce. The Italy uh, headquartered company announced that they plan to cut jobs on Tuesday as part of an organizational review across development studios and publishing units. This includes Italian studios Kunos Simulazioni, Asiedo Corsa and UK-based developer DR Studios, Monopoly, Tycoon, Terraria. So lots of relevant uh, studios who work on some notable games. Digital, Digital Bros also is, uh, has offices in the U.S., in France, Spain, Germany, China, Japan, Australia, and Canada. So cool. Lots more people are probably going to be affected with some job layoffs pretty soon. Uh, so just want to put that out there. Not Again, not much to say. It's just... We're seeing all this layoffs due to uncertainty within the economy, but we're also seeing this whole, like, we're restructuring everything around the way the games industry is changing, and now we're going to shift focus to a different model or different, you know, different kinds of games or or all, all these various things that are just making people lose their jobs left and right, and then also you're seeing studios pop up left and right. So such a weird time in gaming because while, unfortunately, a lot of people are losing jobs, it does also seem like, a lot of new studios are being formed, so maybe there, hopefully, there's at least places for all these uh, recently let go employees to to go and find new work. But I mean, especially in some of these places where game development just isn't as prominent. I know we recently talked about how game development is 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 growing rapidly in places like Italy. Surprisingly, it's just like still, you know, Italy's no, it's no California, it's no UK, it's no Japan. Uh, as far as game development goes, you know, it's not like a like an epicenter of, of, of game development. So it can be hard for some of these people to find new places to go and, and do their craft. So fucking sucks and wish everyone the best. Hopefully uh, they have some good uh, packages for those affected by layoffs. And they're not like Bungie where they're just like, mm, we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Now we're going to fucking fire all the Mexicans. Ha ha play Destiny 2. We're losing money. Uh, so anyway, fuck layoffs. And then one more thing, I guess this would have been a little more closely aligned with what we just talked about. So a little bit of bad organization on my part, but I did want to mention Baldur's Gate 3, the long awaited, uh, game that is, is set to come to Xbox Series S and X is, is going to be released probably next month for sure announced next month. 
The release date is coming at the Game Awards, which will take place on December 7th. The studio said in an update, Larry and Studio said in an update uh, published this week, Xbox players, we hear that you are looking for more news on Baldur's Gate 3. The game is on track for a December release. We'll see you there at the Game Awards for a world premiere of the exact release date. So that is exciting. They said that this game will be coming to Xbox before the end of the year, and uh, I, I'm sure it will be one of those like, and it's available today, or like, or like they announce it and it's available like next week or something like that. So we'll get news about a physical release of the game. We'll get news about the Xbox release of the game. Um, cool, it's awesome. It'll be it'll be really cool when this game wins Game of the Year and then comes to Xbox a few days after that, uh, and then becomes not a Game of the Year because it's now available on Xbox. Um, but no, I don't know. Boulders, it's, it's gotta be Boulders, Gators, Zelda. There's, I, I don't see a world where it's not one of those two. It's gotta be. All right, guys. So, uh, oh, one more thing I want to uh, touch on here. I forgot to write this down, but I have it pulled up here in a browser. Let's talk about some of Remedy for a second. So they did their financials recently. We we're talking about uh, the handful of projects that they have in development, and something just happened to one of those projects they're working on. And uh, so, I just want to read a little bit about that here. This is from The Verge. So from The Verge, they say, Remedy Entertainment, the studio behind behind Alan Wake 2, uh, has an upcoming game codenamed Vanguard that is now pivoting from a free-to-play model to a premium one. Vanguard had been announced since December 2021, along with the news uh, uh, that uh, Chinese publisher Tencent uh, would be brought on to localize and distribute the game in China. It had originally been billed as a free-to-play co-op PvE shooter that combines Remedy's narrative expertise and action gameplay into an immersive multiplayer experience. However, the latest announce, uh, announcement said that the, such an idea wasn't working out anymore. Due to uncertain, uh, they say, quote, due to uncertainties in creating a successful game to rapidly changing in the free-to-play market and associated risks, the parties have discussed a new direction for the game project, which will be given a new code name. Kestrel, the announcement read. So it's going from Project Vanguard to Kestrel. Uh, in reality, while free-to-play live service games still make lots of money, as new ones enter the market, they aren't being as embraced uh, by the gaming community. Last week, Sony announced it would delay half of its live service offerings, and throughout the year, the live service uh, live service games have been shut down in mass after relatively short windows of operations. Uh, so that that's uh, The Verge's little editorial, well, not editorialization, but kind of additive context um so yeah i mean we're, we're seeing this a lot I, and i cannot imagine this is anything shy of reactive and I, I i wouldn't be surprised if this was like very very recently decided on where it was like hey we're seeing fortnite or or epic have layoffs you know because we're seeing less growth in their traditional battle royale thing and more and more movement and their user created content we're seeing destiny lose under 45 percent under projections in terms of user engagement and player base and all that um we're seeing sony scale back their their big investments in in in, in uh, live service gaming we're seeing tons of live service games small ones and here and there just kind of fall off and, and get shut down and it's just people are busy there's a lot of good games coming out a lot of good single player stuff a lot of new multiplayer games and people's attention is spread and also gaming is kind of a I think kind of normalizing a little like this, this year has been the year that like we're, we're pretty much back from the pandemic. Things are the way they used to be. And a lot of people that took on gaming as a hobby during 2020 and 2021 have now kind of hung it back up so they can go back to their, their cool, uh, their cool lives of, of picking up chicks at the comedy club and telling them that they're funny too, while they, while they repeat Carlos, uh, Carlos Muncier j jokes from that, that, that were done on comedy central. 
Carlos Muncia jokes uh, that 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 used to be that used to be popular um, before South Park did the episode about him taking the jokes and all that. So I I don't know I don't know what I'm saying. The point is, this kind of makes sense that they're pivoting, um, and that in that you know maybe they're talking to Tencent who's who's publishing this game, and they're going like, hey, you guys are really good at the single player stuff. I mean, look at Alan Wake too. You guys are clearly like one of the better studios at this stuff and maybe it's enough for this game to have a strong multiplayer component that maybe will take off but for you guys to lean into your strengths and focus on a strong narrative and a good single player experience might be the better idea and then we can you know have a guaranteed single player game with a potentially successful multiplayer component as opposed to a potential huge flop of a multiplayer game and so maybe that's kind of maybe that's kind of how the focus has has been reshifted which honestly I'm all four, while I was open-minded to the idea of a, a, a live service remedy multiplayer game, I'm a lot more open to the idea of it being an action shooter game with a strong narrative single player experience and a multiplayer component. So this is a, uh, this has actually got me a lot more excited in, in, in the main, the main benefit here being that it's going to go from being a free to play multiplayer experience to a premium game, a game that you drop 70 bucks, presumably 60, $70 on to get in the door and have some strong single player content and all this stuff and not probably be hit up left and right for like, mm, buy the, buy the skin that makes you look like a lizard. So you can slink around the map and take out your enemies in style. Like that's, that's pretty cool to me. I would like to play, or I would like to continue to play remedy games where I'm not, uh, where I'm not like the fucking Kool-Aid punch guy, uh, running around slitting the throats of, uh, of, uh, of the guy from Dragon Ball Z. So that would be nice. Uh, I don't need Ron Weasley and Gordon Ramsay fighting it out. In, a, in, a, in another fortnight like experience so this would this would be an ideal alternative to me so cool like it premium game instead of free-to-play game bigger focus on single player and what remedy's great at uh still not keen on uh tencent being the developer or the publisher of, of the project rather and the funder of the project uh but unfortunately this is going to happen more and more and there's nothing i can do about it so just shut the fuck up and accept it accept your accept your fate all right, that's it for all of our opening news stories of the week. You guys, let's uh, move on into the games I've been playing this week before we jump into the full-blown news. But before we can do that, uh, before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, before we can talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and all there is to say there, I gotta first tell you about what I've been eating. And you guys, I got a little bit of like an audience participation one to throw at you here. So this past Saturday, I was celebrating the last day of my AMC Stubbs premiere membership. Which, if you remember, I was I was only supposed to have it for the summer. I was a bad boy because I got it around the end of spring. I was going to keep it through the summer, and then I was going to get rid of it. And it was just because this is an unusually busy year, not only for games but for movies. This is the 2023 is the year where entertainment shit that got delayed during the pandemic all came out at once. So I got AMC Stubbs, which is the uh, $20 a month subscription thing that AMC was doing or, or does, offers, where it's like you pay $20 a month, and you can see up to three movies every week, any format you want, any showtime you want, anything. It's 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 actually really great. And I had it for a few months because I was like, they got fucking Indiana Jones, Transformers, Spider-Man, Suzumi, uh, Past Lives, freaking Elemental, all, all these movies I wanted to see this summer. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to subscribe to this thing for like three or four months. I'll keep it through the summer. And then when the summer ends, and like Oppenheimer and Barbie and Ninja Turtles and all these movies kind of like finish coming out and all the good stuff's gone. I'll, I'll get rid of my subscription and it'll be a really cost effective way to see all these movies and also a great way to like get to go out and do something while also keeping it 
relatively affordable and honestly is is really good there's actually something i don't normally go to the, the the movie theater i don't normally watch movies at all actually i've said a million times on this podcast i'll take gaming or, or book reading over tv any day like i just i'm just not a big movie person but this year i have definitely been a big movie person i've seen like i think i counted 32 movies at in the theater this year and um i did the math like if you add up every month i ha- i think i have like 6 or 7 months if you add up every month i had this subscription and divided by the number of movies i saw um at an average price point of what i was paying per ticket and movie tickets are astron- astronomical these days and i saw like everything in premium format because it all costs the same and so it's like if you if you do the math it was like four dollars and like 60 cents a ticket is what i paid basically and i was i was seeing almost every movie in like uh the the dolby special cinema with a huge screen the special surround sound and all that it's fucking awesome i love it i i I went from like being such a curmudgeon like i don't give a shit about movies kind of person to like every fucking saturday i was at the movie theater i was in the movie the 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 22 dollars seat but but i was getting it for next to nothing because i had the subscription i'll be like watching fucking Gran Turismo one one week, then I'm watching freaking um, uh, the creator and all. It was, it was a good time. Mission Impossible, great movies, good, very good summer. Um, but I finally, after after extending it a few more months than I initially planned on doing, I'm, I finally allowed it to lapse. The subscription is no mas. As of two days ago, I am no longer AMC Stubbs. I am a plebeian once more. If you ask me to go to the movie theater, I will have to pay the regular price ticket like anyone else will, and I'm simply not willing to go back to that lifestyle. That is not for me. So I am swearing off the movie theater for a while. It's over. It's done. We're past it. And the reason I bring this up is because I thought – you know, on Saturday night I was there. I did a double feature. I saw um, the Holdovers, the new Paul Giamatti movie, The Holdovers, which is fucking excellent, by the way. And then I also um, saw the new Marvel movie, The Marvels. Um, so I was like doing a double feature. I was like, this is my last hurrah before my membership expires. I'm gonna watch these two movies. This will be good. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I I never buy concessions at the movie theater. It's one of the ways I save money. It's like fucking twenty dollars a month. I see like three to three to five movies a month and that's it i pay 20 bucks i watch all these movies i don't buy concessions i don't waste my money on popcorn or soda or any of that and uh i was like i feel like for the last movie last movie i should kind of go all out you know it's the marvels it's a big summer dumb blockbuster action movie doesn't fucking matter i should just like go all out get a coke get some m&ms get some popcorn and like really do it up it's an hour and a half in the premium theater format got your popcorn your soda it'll be a really good way to go out with a bang and so I go into my account, and it looks like because I've been subscribing for so many months, I got all these reward points racked up that I never even looked at. And so I have all these all this fucking money in here, and I redeem it. I got like I got like fifteen bucks in credit. I'm like, holy shit! I have a fifteen dollar AMC credit in here. I could probably get like a hot dog, chicken tenders, pizza, whatever the fuck I want. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to go over the concessions counter. I'm going to get some pizza. I'm going to get some M&Ms. I'm going to go all out, watch freaking Miss Marvel fly around the universe. It's going to be CG and awesome. Let's do it. Uh, I get up to the counter and find out $15 in AMC credit is enough money to get like half a soda and a popcorn. So I, I ended up getting popcorn and soda, but doesn't matter. It was still awesome. Got got my complimentary concessions, basically. I got my last theater seeing watch the marvels it was fine it was just okay it was fine i had a good time though it was fun that's all that matters and uh it got me thinking i was like that's that was a fun experience it was fun to go out on a bang it was fun to like do it up you know like normally i would go like if i'm normally going to the movie theater like on my on my dime i'm going at like 11 in the morning to get the cheap ticket you know pay like 
eight and a half dollars for the ticket. I'm not getting any fucking concessions. I'll go eat something on the way to the theater or after the movie, but I'm not, I'm not paying a fucking penny for concessions. I'm not doing any of that stuff. And so like, that's normally the way I engage with the theater. When I go, it's very much like early showing cheap ticket, no concessions here, watch a movie and get out. That's my experience. But it was really fun to just be like, fuck it. We got the freaking Dolby special theater. We got the popcorn. We got the soda. And I was like, you know what? I'm sure to most people, if I told them that like when I go to the movie theater, I go to like the 11 a.m. showing so I can get the $8 ticket and that I don't buy concessions at all, they'd probably be like, you're a fucking psychopath. You're doing movies all wrong. And so I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That's what I want to talk about this week for the what I've been eating. It's, it's what is your preference when it comes to movies? Do you do concessions? Do you not do concessions? If you do concessions, what kind of man are you? Because when I was growing up, and I assume when all y'all were growing up, we we could all relate. It was like it was like you get soda pop, you get fucking candy, you get ice, you know, the popcorn, maybe some ice cream. Some some of the theaters had ice cream or like the little nachos, like the shitty nacho chips with cheese dip or something like that, or pretzel. You know, that was like the extent of it. But these days, you go to a movie theater, they got craft beer and cocktails and pizza and freaking like flatbreads and, and, and cheeseburgers and like fucking uh, oyster Rockefeller. I don't even fucking know. They got, they got all these days. It's crazy over here at the movie theaters. You can do whatever you want. So I'm putting the question out to you guys. What is your, what is your preferred method for experiencing the movie theater? Do you go IMAX? Do you go 3d? Do you go standard? Do you go morning time, evening time, popcorn and M&Ms classic combo, M&M popcorn, Coke, or do we go icy? Are we an icy person? You like the sour gummy candies? Are you like me and you're a fucking psychopath and you do no concessions, maybe a cup of water, but you don't you try not to drink too much because you don't want to go pee during the movie? Where do you fall on this on this wide ranging spectrum of special a special movie theater going type folk? And I, I want to throw that out there because I, I really did wonder about that. I've never been I never thought about that too much. Growing up as a kid, for sure, of course, as a kid, you want the concessions. Mom, dad, can we get can we get the freaking bunch of crunch? Can we get a popcorn? All that stuff. But as an adult, I'm just like, I I can't I can't stomach the thought of spending twelve dollars on a popcorn when I can go to Walmart and get a pack of twenty four popcorns for like three bucks. You know, I can't I can't stand the thought of spending ten dollars on a Coke when I could go to the grocery store and get two twelve packs of Coke for ten dollars. I can't you know. These fucking and the candy's the worst offender, you know. It's like a small bag of M and M's you can get at the dollar store for a dollar twenty five. No, at AMC it's like seven eight dollars for a bag of candy. I can't. I get it. I get that. That's how they make their money. I respect that. I don't. I'm not one of those people who's like they're charging an arm and a leg. This is bullshit. No, I get it. This is how they make their money. They, they it's like a gas station. You break even on the gas. You make money out of out of the convenience store. Movie theater, same concept. You break even on the movies. Sometimes you take a loss on the movies. You make all your money on the concessions. I totally get it. You're a lower volume store than like a convenience store, so you need to keep the prices high to keep the margins acceptable, keep the staff employed, make the business model profitable, make it work. I get it. We're lucky that movie theaters survived the pandemic. I'm happy to see a company like AMC is still alive. Here, I. I personally can't justify spending $25 for popcorn, soda, and candy, but for people who are willing to do so, I get it. That's, the, that's what we got to do to make this work, I guess. So I want to throw the ball into y'all's court. How do we do it at the movie theater? What's your preferred go-to snack? I do just got to say, I there's no right or wrong answer, and I know, you know, yeah, like Alamo Draft House and some of these freaking, like, Studio Movie Grill where you can get, like, chicken wings and like really crazy stuff you can get like fucking pasta and stuff i love that it's cool i think it's cool but to me i think there's just something kind of like even though normally i will take the savory proper meal 
any day of the week over like snacks or junk food or candy. There's just something about the movie theater to me where it's like it's just sacrilege to not do the classic like you get a bag of popcorn and you get like peanut M&Ms or, or Nestle Bunch of Crunch or something chocolatey and you sprinkle it in the popcorn. So you get like the chocolate, salty, sweet popcorn, chocolatey combo. And then you get like a Coke, even though I prefer like a Mountain Dew or a root beer or something like that. Something about it. You got to get a Coke. Coke at the movie theater just makes sense. And that combination to me, it's just so classic. It's so beautiful. It's so perfect. It complements the movie so well. I love it. Also, one more thing I'll say because I just thought about it and I, I got to get that before we move off of movie theaters and, and concessions, I got I got to say this. You go to see something like a Marvel movie, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, uh, Fast and Furious, like a dumb blockbuster action movie or a family movie or an animated movie, something silly, something lighthearted, something playful and fun. Concessions all day. I totally get it. You got your Coke. You got your fucking popcorn. It's good. It's a fun time. It's additive. You got the receptors in your brain are releasing because you got all the fun flavors in your mouth and you're liking the picture that you see on the screens making your monkey brain dance. I get all of that. But when you go to watch like a fucking tear your heart out like drama film where you're supposed to cry and feel torn, I don't fucking get that. I, I don't understand concession. Like the, the, the most artsy, the most profound movie I saw this year like the movie that made me think and feel the most definitely definitely my favorite movie I saw this year by by a wide margin is uh is Past Lives I think that A24 film so of course you expect it to be a little a little bit indie hipster art trash but um I love that movie I thought I, it's such a beautiful beautiful movie like but I saw that movie the way I see most movies and I just sat there legs crossed hand under my chin rubbing my beard going hmm hmm, hmm the whole time to myself and really loving it and that movie like kind of that that's one of those movies that like kind of punches you in the gut when it ends and you're just like fuck and you just feel kind of way about it but i can't imagine sitting there watching that movie and watching the girl like go back to her husband like crying about like like the emotional confliction she's experiencing and i'm just like scarfing down a fucking glizzy with extra mustard and onions and, and, and relish on it i'm just like oh yeah this is fucking good Oh, I need to get me a Coke refill after this. And that that's that's the one thing I don't get. Like you got to you got to gauge the movie you're going to see. You can't go you can't go to the theater and watch Past Lives and pair it with the fuck, you know, whatever. Maybe you get a drink. It's like, "Listen, I, I got to have a drink with me. I got a water, I got a Coke or whatever." Okay, fine. I can get that. But the whole like munching on a bag of popcorn as you're watching Schindler's List, it's like that's like that's I don't know, man. Really? So I am going to pass a little bit of judgment in certain movie scenarios when you when you bring concessions in the mix. I, and I, want, I almost wonder if um, there's got to be a correlation, right? You know, like if you're a company like AMC, they have to have the telemetry and that's got to be part of it. Not just because like obviously a Marvel movie draws more attention than something like Past Lives or Uncut Gems or something like that. But because like like the clientele that also comes out to the movie, regardless of volume, you gotta, you gotta think there's some correlation between it. Like an audience member who's going to see Spider-Man in movie theaters is probably way more likely to buy airheads and popcorn than the person who's going to watch, you know, fucking save and private Ryan or something, you know? So I, I don't know. I just, I, I wonder about that. So anyway, that's it. What are your movie theater takes concessions? I don't know if we've had this conversation before in the past, but it was it was a burning question in my brain, so I thought I'd throw it out to you guys. And that's it for what I've been eating. Popcorn, M&M's, Coke Zero, because I can't do regular Coke anymore. And now we're on to what I've been playing. 
Well, speaking of Marvel, dumb, blockbuster, action, fun, turn off your brain and enjoy yourself kind of movies, let's talk about the epitome of that experience in the games industry with a little game called Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, which is, oh my god, just so fucking stupid and I love it. Uh, actually, I don't love it. I, I kind of love it. I kind of hate it. Let's talk about Modern Warfare 3. There's there's a lot to be said here. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like we, we're going to kind of have to merge what I've been playing with the news this, this week. So I don't really know how we're going to do this, but let's just let's just start. I'll just start rambling and we can go from there. Kind of in typical Xbox on fashion. So Modern Warfare 3 officially came out last week. Obviously, the beta was last month and the week before last week was the multiplayer access. So you can play the campaign. You just can play the full blown content release of the game, the multiplayer and all that. And so I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm so profoundly stressed out right now with moving and everything that I cannot play games and enjoy them. So I've only pumped about four hours, five hours into Modern Warfare 3 since it released, which is unusual. Usually when a new Call of Duty comes out, I am MIA for the whole weekend. That whole first weekend, I'm just fucking Little Caesars Pizza and Modern Warfare, whatever the fuck. And it's that for 48, 72 hours straight, whatever it is, you know, whatever weekend it is, 50-something hours. But not, not this time. I'm just... I'm too fucking stressed out. I got to figure out how to get the utility company to make the power go on. And my, I, I, don't, I have to be an adult right now. So basically, you're going to hear a lot of I haven't been gaming a lot for the next couple of weeks. It's probably normal when people are moving. But um, so put that out there. I haven't spent too much time with the game. But part of that is is to say I can't tell if I hate Modern Warfare 3 if I enjoy it, but it's just a big, big, big downgrade from last year's Call of Duty, or if I think it's a really good game that just has an unfortunately bad campaign and is going to get a lot better with some new multiplayer updates over the coming weeks and months. I don't I don't know where I fall. It's way too soon to tell. I played a lot of that beta when it came out. Um, I, I've already beaten the campaign when that came out two weeks ago, and now I've played about four or five hours of the game in a post-launch context multiplayer and zombies a little bit of zombie, probably like an hour hour and 20 minutes of zombies two hours yeah like hour and a half of zombies and then the rest a couple hours of multiplayer here's the thing about modern warfare 3 we talked about the the, the campaign last week ad nauseum right it, it's a disappointment there are moments in the story that are cool there are moments in the campaign that are cool i can tell that if they had you know they really invested in it and made it the thing it should have been it could have been a a cool game, but it, it wasn't. The campaign is a big old turd and it's a disappointment and it's kind of a shame. But that doesn't have to be the case for everything else, right? At the end of the day, Call of Duty multiplayer is just some tweaks and refinements to the formula, new maps, new weapons, and Modern Warfare 3 is different, right? Because it is essentially just a glorified expansion for Modern Warfare 2. So you have the carryover of your equipment, the old guns, all the things you did in Modern Warfare 2 carry over. And now you got some new Modern Warfare 3 weapons. And you got this whole slew of Modern Warfare 3 maps. And all the Modern Warfare 3 maps, of course, being remakes of Modern Warfare 2 maps from 2009's original Modern Warfare 2. And... I, I, I kind of feel all over the place because on the one hand, I've I've had moments where I've logged into this game and I've played two or three matches of multiplayer where I'm like, God, this feels amazing. It feels phenomenal. It feels so good to go back and, and pick up a FAMAS and, and play on these old maps that have been remade new again. And in, in some of these maps, I'm like really like digging. I'm like, oh man, I really miss um, 
what's that one called wastelands or whatever the one where it's like the out outdoor map when it has all like all the tunnel system and then snipers hang out in the fields and shit like that and you got a couple bunkers I'm like that map is so fucking perfect on domination it feels so i completely forgot about the existence of that map from back in the day and then i got match made into that that map one time and i was like oh my god instantly i'm transported back to like freshman year of high school i can feel it again i'm like i i totally remember this map i remember all the good times playing this map i can't believe i forgot about it and it's just it feels good like the, the guns are good i'm using this uh what's like dg08 or whatever it's like your famas style uh three round burst assault rifle and uh the, the gunplay feels really good time to kill is a little longer it has a satisfying um sound feedback when you get kills in this game i don't it's like this weird like muted pop sound that you, you get sometimes it feels really good so there's good feedback from kills obviously it's never been call of duty's uh weakness they've always been really good at like really responsive fun uh feedback give, driven loop that just makes it feel fun to get kills and play more and more and more and so in that sense modern warfare 3 is like pretty damn competent it feels like modern warfare 2 but a little faster a little more frenetic a little more a little more like properly balanced away a little more like classic call of duty i'll say you know a little less tactical a little a little less tactical sorry tactical is a, is a nerf reference a little less tactical a little more a little more like traditional call of duty running gun but the problem is this game is reminding me of something i hated in old call of duty games that you don't deal with as much in modern call of duty games which is that old modern old call of duty games used to be so focused on like really intricate map design like vantage points and sniper places and tunnels and bunkers and all these things that every map could be played so differently but in a lot of these games these older cod games it would just devolve into snipers and campers and shitty spots like that and i know this is like the wrong opinion to have and it's it's not cool to say this but what this game is quickly reminding me of is I like the more modernized, dumbed down, three lane, basic maps that Call of Duty games have today because it makes them it makes the games really ideal for players like me that just want to run and gun. I want to pick an SMG. I want to slide around, go fast. I don't want to use my brain. I just want to pew, 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 shoot, 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 win. That's how I want to play Call of Duty. But these old maps are very much like, mm, well, we got to design this map for snipers. And this map's got to be ideal for domination for people who want to capture objectives with LMGs. And this map's got to be really, really great for people who want to use the right, you know, all, like they try to consider all the angles, right? And what it feels like going back and playing Modern Warfare 2's old maps remastered is that these maps are just fucking camper, sniper, sweat fest, fucking ah. Because I'll play two two matches, get really good, really really good luck with the skill based matchmaking system. It will put me in some games where I just fucking crush it and I dominate. And I'm running around. I got my famas. I'm popping people left and right. I'm feeling good. And the feedback loop is there. And I miss these maps from my childhood. And I'm having a good time. I'm laughing. I'm playing. I'm crying. I'm rolling around on the floor. And I'm calling my old best friend from middle school and telling him that I still got his fucking sweaty gym gym socks in my in my locker that I somehow have. And it's all good. But then after like two or three good matches, skill-based matchmaking is like, we notice you're having fun. Would you like us to fucking murder your grandmother? I'm like, no. And then it's like, too late. And then it'll put you in like three matches back to back where it's just like sweat fest. I, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, oh, it went from going like three and zero oh to like uh, 0.8 in, 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 in two or something like that. It's like, it's no, no. My, my KDR is just absolute shit. Like I will get three kills in a match against 21 deaths like that fucking rough and like i listen i suck at games but i don't suck that bad like if i'm doing bad in call of duty it's like okay i went i went 10 and 16 okay something like that right i died 16 times i got 10 kills right 
This isn't like that. This is literally like I got two or three kills and I got killed 20 to 25 times. Absolutely ridiculous, nonsensical garbage. Spawn points are fucked up. Uh, snipers everywhere. Everyone is sniping. Everyone's just hiding in tall grass, hiding behind cover. I watch the kill cam. I, I'm, I'm not a kill cam guy, but in this game, I'm watching the kill cam constantly. And people are just fucking sitting around, camping in the same fucking place. It's like going back to your hometown and seeing that the high school bully is still in the same fucking town you grew up in. And now he's just a fucking sweaty ass cop doing nothing with his life because that's what this game feels like. It's like, wow, the same fucking motherfucker that used to camp on this map back in 2009 and snipe me from afar and make me fucking rage quit this game is here all these years later doing the same thing in the same place where it's been 13 years 14 years and we're doing the same shit i'm running around my assault rifle trying to get a kill to save my life and you're sniping me from the tall grass like a fucking bitch over and over and over again it drives me nuts and I know it's like, oh, well, it's early in the game. Usually they got to tweak the spawn points. They got to tweak the skill-based matchmaking. It'll probably feel better in a couple weeks. And I'm sure to some extent that's true. But to another extent, it's like, no, these maps, this core design philosophy with these old maps is fundamentally fucked. Because Modern Warfare 2, OG Modern Warfare 2 from 2009, littered with camper maps. And I, I, can't, I, I can't stand it, dude. I know there are people out there, ooh, I love sniping. Ooh, I love riot shields. Fuck you. I don't love you. I don't know who you are. I don't care if you're my future child, if I'm supposed to adopt you and, and call you my own kin one day. If you're out there camping, sniping, I hope you trip on your shoelaces because you didn't tie your shoes properly and you fall onto soft yet somewhat firm grass that 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 doesn't cut you or make you have to go to the ER, but, but roughs you up just enough to remind you that you're not on top, that there's someone else with more power. Maybe it's God, maybe it's something else. I don't fucking know, but there's someone out there with a little bit more power than you and you're not on top because you know how to wait around the grass and snipe people because that's just not very fair. It's just not very nice and I don't like you very much. So uh, all joking aside, you can you can very much feel why Call of Duty has moved away over the years from more intricate maps into more basic bare bones three lane maps. And it is very much because this shit sucks. I know we're nostalgic for Modern Warfare 2. I know we all miss the old glory days and all that. But I got to be completely honest, in a lot of ways, these games have only gotten better with time because they've been so carefully curated to accommodate all, all, all range of skill, skill bases so that people will stay invested in these games. And, and honestly, Modern Warfare 3, with how sweaty it's been, with how bad the skill-based matchmaking has been, with how bad the spawns have been, with how bad the camping, the sniping has been, I don't know, man. When I do get settled in with this move and everything's good and we're, we're good to go, I don't know that I'm going to be playing that much Modern Warfare 3 because this multiplayer is driving me up the fucking wall. And while I miss some of these maps, I hate a bunch of these maps, dude. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to play Terminal. Like, I love Terminal. I miss that map. I've gotten that map one time. I'm like, what the fuck? But I keep getting that same piece of shit, dog shit snow map where people just hide in the fucking snow over the snow mound. They snipe you all day like a stupid fucking bitch. I'm like, you know what? I don't need this game. I don't need this right now. I'm stressed enough as it is. I got to put things into boxes and then move those boxes into a new location. I don't have time to get shot in the face in a video game every 10 seconds. I, I can't do this. So, Modern Warfare 3, your campaign pissed me off. Your multiplayer is filtering me. Let's see if zombies can save the day. Zombies, I definitely have not experienced enough of this to really, really speak to it authoritatively. But I'll say, as someone who is a Zombies first fan on Call of Duty, Zombies is my number one reason why I'm there. It's my favorite aspect of Call of Duty, I gotta say. Modern Warfare 3 Zombies, so far, 
haven't fully wrapped my brain around what all it's trying to do and be. I don't love it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. It very much is the DMZ mode from last year's Call of Duty mixed with Outbreak from Call of Duty Cold War. And Outbreak from Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War was pretty good. Not as good as like classic round-based Call of Duty or zombies. Um, but, you know, it's pretty it's it's pretty okay. Like, I, I've had a good time with Outbreak, for, you know, a handful of times on back in the Cold War days. Um, but mixing that with DMZ and it's weird little, Ugh, you got to go plant the bomb at this objective and then go, go get this. And then it's like Warzone, so make sure you get plates and zip line, or zip, you know, zip line and freaking uh, the parachute your way around the, the Warzone map. I don't like that. It's pissing me off. I don't like it. It's not cool. It's not fun. So I don't like the map. I don't like the battle royale aspect of it. I don't like the objectives. I just want to play freaking zombies. Like, I don't care if it's open world or close quartered uh, zombies. Like, I just want to play Call of Duty zombies. And so it's it's better than, like, Vanguard zombies than, like, the, you know, the Call of Duty Vanguard weird zombie mode they had. It's, it's definitely better than that. It's definitely thoughtful in some ways. You can tell that with the limited time they had to make it that they tried to put some effort into it. Um, but it's not... It's not great. It just seems it just seems kind of weird, and it's it is very weird playing the modern warfare setting and guns and all that, but having zombies. It feels very much like a mashup of what Infinity War does and Treyarch does, and it's just it's a really really odd feeling. So I got I got to put that out there as well. But zombies, I don't have too much to say. It's again, it's not bad. Like I'm definitely gonna play more of it and fuck around with it more. But dude, it, I will say it does suck loading into a match because it can take. You have to join with other people, or if you match solo, it takes forever to matchmake. And then it can take like two minutes or more to get into a match. And when you get into a match and you die, it's like you die, but now they treat it like Battle Royale, where it's like it, it's not like you load back to the main menu because you died. It's like, no, you died. Do you want to just witness the fucking game? And it's like, well, how do I get out of here and get my fucking XP? Do you just press pause and quit match? And it's like, yeah, that's what you got to do. And it just, it feels so unsatisfying, so unfinished, so. I just, I don't know, I hate what the war zonification, what the free-to-play battle royalification of Call of Duty has done to the franchise, because it's just, it's ruining the experience, man. Zombies is phenomenal as it is, just let it be what it is. Multiplayer is a really good time, don't make it a weapon XP farm for Warzone. Campaign is core to Call of Duty's setting and tone and establishing the, the what makes the sub-franchises as cool as they are with Black Ops and... Uh, Black Ops and Modern Warfare, and so like just half-assing it and doing this budget on the fly bullshit they did with Modern Warfare Three, it sucks, man. It's such a slap in the face because I don't know, man. It's like we'll talk about it in in a second here as we transition to the main news, but um, it, it really does feel like Activision was just like, uh, we're pretty sure this this uh, this Microsoft deal is going to go through, so let's just um let's slap some shit together for this year so we can have an annual release. And then we'll hand Xbox the keys and they can fucking deal with whatever happens next. And that's really what this game exudes in and out. And it's just really frustrating and disappointing. And um, yeah, I think that's going to lead us into the news. So let's take a quick break here and then talk about our, our first news story, which is more Call of Duty. All right. So keeping with Modern Warfare 3, let's talk about our opening story. Really, there's not too much news to get into this week, so let's linger on this for a little bit and kind of see what's going on here because I think this uh, is going to spell trouble for Xbox on a wider scale if this kind of stuff continues. So, from VGC, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 has topped the UK physical games charts but it's failed to hit the launch weekend sales numbers of its predecessor, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 
two from last year. Uh, according to GFK chart da- data from GamesIndustry.biz, Activision's latest FPS went straight to the charts at number one, but physical sales were down 25% compared to those with Modern Warfare 2 last year. The game is currently on track to be the lowest rated entry in the series, with early Metacritic scores from both critics and users coming in much lower than usual. On on Twitter, GamesIndustry.biz uh, head Christopher Drain pointed out that 72% of Modern Warfare 3 launch sales were on PlayStation 5 while 20% were on Xbox and 8% were on PlayStation 4. Obviously, digital data will change all of this, he notes. And a lot of that is probably because um, there's a uh, there's a PlayStation 5 bundle with Modern Warfare 3, so that also is helping drive it, you know, in addition to the fact that PlayStation 5 is just the best-selling console. In addition to that story, compounding this issue with Call of Duty, making it not just a, just a coincidence, but showing that there's something bigger happening here. Call of Duty 3, uh, Modern Warfare 3, uh, and some of its creators reportedly suffered from a rushed development cycle that saw the game's campaign made in just about 16 months. Over a dozen current and former Call of Duty developers told Bloomberg in a report that the project initially started life as an expansion to last year's Modern Warfare 2, which would have taken place in Mexico and have been achievable in that time frame. A little side note, last week I was complaining, where's Alejandro? Where's the Mexican Special Forces? How does this, why, why does it just drop everything that happened in Modern Warfare 2 and go in a completely different direction? Well, looks like the original plan was to do just that. So, fuck you. See, see what I mean? Come on, man. Anyway, however, they claim that Activision executives later rebooted this project, telling developers at Sledgehammer Games that they would instead be a full-blown sequel. They would instead be a full-blown sequel, featuring a globe-trotting adventure that the franchise has become known for. Some staff who reportedly had to work nights and weekends to finish the game said that they felt let down because they'd been promised that this type of crunch wouldn't happen again after the, stu- after the studio's uh, previous game, Call of Duty Vanguard, uh, which was also made in similarly constrained uh, uh, circumstances. Uh, developer also Developers also expressed frustration at having to seek current approval from original Call of Duty developer and Modern Warfare sub-series creator Infinity Ward, a process which has reportedly been ineffective and sometimes resulted in significant and unwanted changes having been made. An Activision spokesperson denied that the project was originally planned as an expansion, claiming that it was conceived as a premium game from the onset. Now, let me just stop there and just say that's absolute bullshit. I feel completely confident in in in, in, in safe saying that that's bullshit because the rumors coming out, the leaks, the words from ex-developers and people all over from notable sources who consistently get this information right, including Bloomberg, including Jason Schreier of Bloomberg, um, ever since last year has been that this was going to be an expansion to Modern Warfare 2 this year. I mean, the coincidence is just lying. They, they just mount up too much to where there's no way that this isn't the truth, that this game was going to be a Modern Warfare 2 expansion and then... Activision said, no, fuck it, we need a full $70 release, we're not doing the expansions, too risky, and then this got shoved into being Modern Warfare 3. Otherwise, what else would explain, for the first time in history of Call of Duty, they did a a direct sequel year after year? When have we ever gotten, oh yeah, Black Ops 3 came out one year after Black Ops 2, and then Modern Warfare 2 came out one year after Modern Warfare 1? That's never happened before. Clearly, this was shoehorned into being a sequel. Anyway, the article closes out by saying, Sledgehammer Studio head Aaron Hallen told Bloomberg some developers may have to um may have believed that the game was an expansion because it was a new type of direct sequel to modern warfare 2 and that for the first time allows players to carry forward many weapons and cosmetics from one game to the next no that's just pr spinning this fuck you in a publicly released statement hallen added we're proud of the team and uh, to lead the way on modern warfare 3 we've worked hard to deliver the vision 
which has been years in the making. Yeah, fucking right. Anything said to the contrary is simply not true. This is our game, and we cannot wait to play it online with all of you. Just to just to compound how absolute bullshit uh, Aaron Hallen is uh, is just talking out his fucking ass, doing some PR speak here. Let me just make this abundantly clear. His direct quote, not mine. His fucking direct quote is, We're proud to be um, the team to lead the way on Modern Warfare 3. We have worked hard to deliver on this vision, which has been years in the making. Alright, for context, studios can't make a game in under fucking like seven goddamn years these days. And Sledgehammer's last game was called the Vanguard, which came out in 2021. So you're telling me Modern Warfare 3 is a proud vision of yours that's been years in the making when your last full-fledged World War II Call of Duty original shooter came out two years ago? So you're telling me in the span of two years you had this proud multi-year vision to make a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 a sequel to a game that wouldn't come out until a year after the game you just finished making and this is a years-long vision you're proud to have worked on. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not full of shit. This is definitely not PR talk. This is definitely not what Activision tells you to say. This is 100% honest from the bottom of your heart. Your true vision. Yeah, our plan was always to make World War II in 2017 and have that kind of not stick and then go try to make a Cold War shooter and then have Activision rip that away from us and hand it over to Treyarch because we were fucking it up and Raven was getting pissed at us and we weren't working well together. And then we were slung into a last-minute new World War II shooter that we had, like, less than two years to make, and that ended up being Vanguard. And then we were slung into, in a year and a half, making a direct sequel to Modern Warfare 2, which was a game that wouldn't even come out until a year after our already previously rushed World War II game, Vanguard. So, yeah, yeah, what, what, what you're telling me is that all along, your proud, long, multi-year vision has been to make a sequel to last year's Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, with this new entry, Modern Warfare 3, that was just 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 so happy to be made in 16 months. But, you know, it's a multi-year long vision that you're proud of. Okay, cool. That adds up. That math absolutely makes sense. There's no way that that is just PR speak because you are the head of a studio that is owned by Activision. You're being arm twisted and it's saying, uh, yeah, please buy your new $70 fucking game and don't notice that's substantially worse than the 20-something games that came out before. Please. So... All right, that's the insta bullshit that we just had to call out. This is this is like you know, it's like everything is a rumor, a report, conjecture, editorialization, just hearsay until until someone actually comes out an official source and confirms it, right? If there is a rumor circulating in Hollywood that suggests they're currently working on a sequel to the Fast and Furious 10 that came out this past summer, right? You'd be like, "Yeah, Fast and Furious 11's coming out." Even though Universal Pictures hasn't come out and said, hey guys, we're working on Fast and Furious 11. Maybe they already have. I don't fucking know. Who cares? Maybe they already have. But until Universal comes out and says, until Vin Diesel gets on on the fucking TV and says, hey, we're working on a fucking 11th entry in the Fast and Furious, it's technically not confirmed. But if I told you that they're going to make an 11th entry to the Fast and Furious franchise, I bet you don't bat a fucking eye and you go, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. That's kind of what this is like. Technically, no one from Activision or Sledgehammer or Infinity Ward have come out and officially said, yeah, this was supposed to be a year two expansion of Modern Warfare 2, and then Activision came in here and wrecked fucking havoc and forced us into making it a full-blown sequel and gave us like less than two years to somehow cobble together a three- to four-year project with little to no time, little to no heads-up, and just a bunch of support studios constantly pushing us into directions we didn't even know how to head into. Yeah. 
That's not what happened. What happened was just this was this was this was always the plan. The thing is, you'll believe it because it fucking makes sense. All signs to point point to yeah, that's that's just what it is. And I'm so certain of this that we'll just drop it. We'll leave it at that, right? So under the assumption that that is exactly what happened here, we have a Call of Duty game that was forced out with a limited development cycle. A Call of Duty game that's kind of floundering by the standards of Call of Duty. Keep in context, keep in mind, the game is selling really, really well and will probably be the best-selling, if not second-best-selling game of the year. Almost definitely the best-selling game of the year. The only game that could possibly sell better than this game this year, there's literally only one game it could be, and that's called Hogwarts Legacy. And if Hogwarts Legacy does beat this game in sales, it's only because it was on sale for almost the entire year, whereas this game came out uh, towards the very end of the year. So keep in mind, there's almost no doubt in my mind that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 will be the best-selling or the second-best-selling game of the year. It will do phenomenally well. But sales are down a lot from last year's game, kind of like they were with Vanguard. And people are pissed and the reviews are really bad. And everyone's saying like, hey, you're damaging the brand. And this makes us not want to buy Call of Duty. And this makes us not want to support the series. And I know if you go like in the Call of Duty fanboy channels and YouTube pages, you would think that Call of Duty's always been on fire and people are always one bad decision away from abandoning the franchise. But that's not the truth. The majority of people who play Call of Duty like it. Kind of like myself. Like how every year I'm like, yeah, Cold War is great. Yeah, Modern Warfare 2 is great. That's how most of us feel. Pretty good games. Some are better than other, but they're, they're pretty good. This is the first time I will say a game is damaging. I didn't like Vanguard, but to me it was just like, yeah, I don't care for this game. This isn't it for me, but I'm happy to wait for next year's Call of Duty. I'll be good. This is the first time I played Call of Duty where I'm like, this is genuinely damaging to the series. Like, this makes me appreciate the Modern Warfare universe a lot less. This makes me appreciate these characters a lot less, and I'm less invested in this story now because they botched it. The multiplayer is significantly less interesting to me because even though it's cool to see these old maps remastered, I want new shit. I don't want remakes of old shit. I want new shit. So these maps are just inherently less compelling to me. And then on top of that, you have another, just like you did in Vanguard, you have another stitched together throw shit at the wall, see what sticks, kind of like alternative, more cost-effective, streamlined zombie mode alternative that distracts from the fact that they don't have a properly intricate, from the ground up, painstakingly handcrafted, proper zombies experience like you get with Black Ops games. Just so that they could put, oh, we have zombies on the back of the box, please buy it. And I hate that. Like this, this give this is the same thing they did with Vanguard, but it's more offensive because Vanguard was a one-off original new sub-series that sucked and we can forget about it and move on. But now you've tainted the Modern Warfare 3 brand with a cheap, shitty cash grab that spoils the story of the first two games, has a less inspired, original, unique multiplayer rollout, and has some tacked-on, kind of junky-ass zombies mode that, even if it is cheap fun, is clearly a, a second fiddle, if that, to what zombies fans actually want, which is proper zombies. And think about it like this. Let me put it one more way. I know we're all super nostalgic. We were talking about Halo at the top of the show, right? And how it's so cool to go back and play these old Halo 3 maps remastered for Halo Infinite, right? And I love that shit. And a little bit of this every now and then from time to time is, is really cool. But Halo 3 was a great game. And its multiplayer suite was so great because they had new original content, new original ideas to make the game its own and stand out. We love Halo 3 because of what Halo 3 was, not because it was a rehash of Halo 2. How do you ever expect a game like Modern Warfare 3 to be an original, beloved, 
classic game that stands on its own and stands the test of time and 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 makes people and creates new Call of Duty fans and, and sets things forward in motion. When your identity is a stitched together bastardization of uh, extension of the last game story paired with a hodgepodge remake lesser version of a 14-year-old game's multiplayer suite and then a half-assed Warzone-ridden zombies experience that's okay but not nearly as good as the real deal. You're not trying. You're cobbling shit together so you can justify a $70 price tag. And while that's fine, you know, whatever, next year we'll be back at Black Ops and I'll be I'll be happy again. It's like, that's great, but this is damaging to the brand and it's soulless and it's disrespectful to your fans. And I almost wonder if act, part of Activision's decision in making this was like, hey, we're going to fucking give Xbox what they want. Like they, they don't want the, like I, I almost wonder if like, in the year leading up to this, they were going to do this. Um, they were going to do this, this expansion thing for Modern Warfare 2. And then their talks with Microsoft were like, hey, we want to like, we want to buy Call of Duty in, 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 you know, we want the Call of Duty you have. Like, like keep the train going. And if there was some kind of fiddling where maybe Xbox wanted a proper Call of Duty because they didn't want them to shift away from an annualized release cycle. And so Activision was trying to appease Microsoft by keeping the, the status quo in motion or, or maybe it was, kind of the opposite where it was like hey it's just cheaper and easier for us to just make this half-assed cobbled together modern warfare 3 dog shit than to just do this like full-blown expansion with this unique new story content new maps and stuff i don't know which way they go but it seems like there was like a willingness to take a risk and to possibly damage the brand possibly do this all wrong because at the end of the day i think bobby kodak and the guys at activision knew that this company is about to be delisted from the stock market, sold to Microsoft. These guys are about to be out of the company, golden parachutes, millions of dollars, and and who gives a shit, right? They can they can take this Ferrari that they've kept in the garage and polished day and night and only driven a minimal amount on the weekends and and shown off at parties and events and and all that and 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 just adored and babied and, and loved for years and years and years. And they can take it out, drive it around recklessly through traffic, drive into a fucking wall, crash the car, wreck it, total it, hand Xbox the keys and say, it's your fucking problem now. You deal with it. And that's kind of what it looks like happened here. Because I know there are Call of Duty games that like kind of get people like up and up. Oh, like Ghost is a bad game. Whatever. Vanguard's a bad game. Black Ops 3 is a bad game. There are some Call of Duty games that are less impressive than others. I know. But the one thing you can't say about Vanguard or Black Ops 3 or Ghost or Infinite Warfare, you can't say those games are cobbled together half-assed bullshit. Those games clearly have a full suite of content. They clearly have a lot of emphasis behind them. And then even when you get like the anomaly like Black Ops 4 where it doesn't have a single-player campaign, at least they make up for it by having a really robust, unique, wholly, wholly from-the-ground-up, never before seen multiplayer suite that's unlike any other entry in the series and they have blackout which is a super good really unique battle royale mode that only that game ever had and a really robust zombies lineup like black ops 4 at least justifies its lack of campaign and is a full-fledged proper 60 dollars game right but this is the first time we're like the campaign half-assed the multiplayer half-assed the zombies half-assed you have a trifecta here the whole game feels half-assed to the point where, like, the fact that you can carry over content from Modern Warfare 2 into this game doesn't feel like a feature or a benefit. It feels like an excuse to pad the game with content. Like, that's how cheap it feels. Which, again, reemphasizes my point from last week. If you had just made this an expansion, so many of these problems would have been passable. 
under that context of it's an expansion. But to say this is your next full-blown entry is just it's just a lie. It's a blatant shitty lie. It's taking advantage of your customer base. And I can't help but wonder, did Activision let this happen the way it happened because they knew that this deal was going to go through, that they had full confidence and they weren't worried about it and it was easier to play it this way this past year and a half while this deal's been going on? This game was in development about as long as this Activision-Microsoft deal has been trying to go through. So if, you, if you're if you at Activision, you're a firm believer that at the end of the day, Microsoft will acquire you. What incentive do you have to go the extra mile and make sure that it's a proper act, um, Call of Duty game and not just some shitty, cheap cash grab? Like, I, I, I just don't know if your Xbox, again, they're getting burned again. It's like, we finally got Call of Duty, the biggest gaming franchise there is, right? Now we're going to be big. We got Bethesda. Now we're going to get Starfield. Now we're going to be a Game of the Year contender. Eh, wrong. We got Activision. With that comes Call of Duty. We have the biggest game out there. Everyone's going to want to play it. Modern Warfare 3, the first game to really fucking piss people off in this in this franchise. So there you go again. It's I don't know if it's unlucky timing. <laughs> I don't know if the industry just hates it. Like, I'm not going to buy into this narrative. But, you know, again, it's like the fucking critics just hate Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 because now, now Xbox owns them. Well, I don't think that's true for a single second. It's just like, here we are again. I guess you can call bad timing, but it's uh, it's concerning. And I got to take back a little bit of what I said last week because I was like, I don't think Sledgehammer should be allowed to make these Call of Duty games anymore. They suck at it. I got to walk that back a little bit because clearly this team's been kind of dealt a shitty hand a few times. And I don't know if that's because of their own incompetence or if it's because Activision just kind of gives them the bum deal. But it must be said, um, you know, what they what they put together here is kind of impressive considering the, the lack of time, but that doesn't make the game excusable in, how, you know, in what it is because what it is is not great. So, I don't know. I just I'll put all that out there. Game is clearly DLC charged and marketed as a full proper release. Activision clearly trying to pull a fast one on us, not getting away with it. And act and Microsoft slash Xbox being left again with another fucking turd on their doorstep, you know. Oh, we got Halo. Oh, we got Bethesda. Oh, we got Call of Duty. We got Activision Blizzard, and they just fucking there it is, the lit bag of dog shit. Now you gotta step on it. <laughs> so this is Xbox's problem to deal with now because they gotta do damage control on this man. This is a uh, I, I think I think I said it last week, but this is this is a Rise of Skywalker. It's not everyone's gonna agree. That The Last Jedi was a good Star Wars movie. It's divisive. Some people like it. Some people hate it. That's fine. But there's no denying The Last Jedi or the, the, what is it? The Rise of Skywalker. That's what it's called. The last Star Wars movie. The Rise of Skywalker. That movie, ass. That movie's objectively ass. No one can like that movie. That movie sucks. That's what Modern Warfare 3 is. It's like, maybe you didn't like Modern Warfare 2. It wasn't your cup of tea. I personally think it was really good. But Modern Warfare 3, that's like the rise of Skywalker all over again. It's just it's just like, what happened in the first one? What happened in the second one? We'll touch on a little bit of both of those, and then we'll do some other bullshit, and we'll throw you for a loop. It's like, never mind Shepard's the bad guy. Never mind the whole, the Russians trying to blame Mexico and the Americans selling the missiles, but the mix, missiles are in Mexico, and Mexico's being, all the the framing and everything, the special forces and Alejandro being introduced, and, and Farah kind of like bowing out after the first game. Never mind all of those plot points. Now... It's just this guy that died in the first game that's back from the back from the grave somehow. Farah, Task Force 141, and they're going out to fight the, the ambiguously evil Russian forces, right? And it's just stupid, it's lame, it's trite, and uh, it's just, it sucks. So, maybe next year, next year is Black Ops, next year is Treyarch, 
they're the best at the game. So I, I, I have full confidence that that they'll come up with something that is at the very least much better than this. And uh, hopefully that will be a big win for Xbox as well, but we'll see. All right. Next up here. Uh, I did want to say this. So, so WB, so here's another story. The only other story really to talk about here, but WB games CEO of Warner Bros. Discovery, David uh, Saslov, uh, said that the company is focusing on turning its biggest gaming franchises into live service games going forward. Um, this is via Seeking Alpha. But in, a, in the company's latest earnings call, uh, the CEO discussed plans to transform franchises like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, DC, uh, which is like Batman, and Mortal Kombat, uh, which he sees as individual billion-dollar gaming franchises, and turning them into service games. He says, quote, our focus is on transforming the biggest franchises largely console and PC base with three to four year release schedules in to include more always on gameplay through live service, multi-platform and free to play with that goal to have more players spending more time on more platforms. Ultimately, we want to deliver, engage, and monetize of longer life, uh, longer cycles and higher levels. We have specific capabilities and we're currently underscaled to see significant opportunities and generate greater post-purchase revenue. WBS successful has successful 2023 with Hogwarts Legacy, and the title was comfortably Europe's best-selling game, or I think also uh, North America's best-selling game for the first half of 2023, selling over 12 million copies in the first two weeks uh, following its release back in February. So this is a little interesting. We we also got an update this week about Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League, uh, which is like their next live service style game. But I find it interesting to hear this, the CEO talk about this in a year where a big single-player game like Hogwarts Legacy did come out and did light the world on fire and did sell so many millions of copies and make so much fucking hand over fist money and prove that single player open world action games, single player narrative driven games, single player experiences are so desirable and so profitable and so worth pursuing. And then to see that their big live service initiative with um, with Justice League got delayed and kind of booed out of existence and, and to see them still say we need to double down on more live service efforts. It's just, I feel like people are starting to smell the shit here and we're going to start to see a lot more like pushback on this where people, they don't, they don't want the live service Harry Potter. They want the games to fit. makes sense. Everyone likes a live service game, but it's gotta be appropriate. And not every IP is cut out for it. Not every publisher needs to be in that space, but there's no denying the money's there. And what we're seeing is like, it's like everyone who's trying to get into it is now realizing that it's time to bounce and they're leaving. And all the people who haven't learned their lesson yet are, are trying to jump in and they're realizing they haven't realized that, you know, the water's not, <laughs> the, the water's not feel, you know, water's not too warm right now. It's like not, it's not the time. And so I almost wonder if they're making an obviously stupid mistake here because they have the success of games like Mortal Kombat and, and, and Hogwarts Legacy and, and Lego games and all that stuff. But they're, they're still so hungry for this live service thing that maybe it'll work out for them. But I can't imagine Kill the Justice League is going to ultimately really, uh, really prove itself to be the live service game they want it to be. You know, not not in any way that Square Enix didn't learn the hard way with uh, with with Avengers a few years ago and I don't know man that game's been in development for so long and has to be such a costly game and it's taken Rocksteady off the development map for so many years that I find it almost impossible to think that this is the path forward for them when they have proven that they're so good at the single player stuff so we'll see about that I feel like this is a mistake waiting to happen but you know I've been wrong about most things I've ever said in my life so who knows maybe uh maybe we get that Harry Potter live service game and it just, you know, Animal Crossing meets meets Harry Potter is just what the world's been needing. Um, little wrap up story here as we get to the end of the podcast, guys, from the Xbox Wire. 
we got some Game Pass updates, games coming soon, leaving, and available now. So real quick, um, available today, Coral Island is on Xbox and Cloud. And then coming soon this week on Friday, you got Persona Tactica 5, which we already talked about, the day one Game Pass game. And then uh, on the 28th, which is next Saturday, that's a weird release date. When is that? No, that's that's in two weeks. That's next, next Tuesday. Uh, we got Dune Spice Wars on Cloud Console and PC. Or on cloud and console, it's already on PC. And uh, so that will be coming to console and, P- and in cloud pretty soon. And then uh, Roller Drone, which I'm really looking forward to, comes to cloud console and PC. That's that uh, kind of Tony Hawk meets Sunset Overdrive style looking game. It just looks so good. Or like Jet Set Radio meets Sunset Overdrive. I don't know. It looks so good. Guns, rollerblades, fun art style. I, I really am curious to try finally play a game now that's coming to Xbox after a year being on PlayStation. So pretty exciting there um but we're leaving we're gonna we're gonna lose a couple games on november 30th so the following games will be gone following that day uh anvil battlefield 1943 which sucks because that game's so good battlefield bad company one and two which sucks because those games are so good they're leaving ea play uh disc room eastward and grid are all leaving mostly ea play games but uh yeah so make sure you try those games before they're gone and that's going to do it for all of our main news, guys. Let's run out real quick with our important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to award their own discussions. Where we got a handful here where Braid, the Xbox Live Indie Arcade darling, is getting a, a, a re-release, a remaster. For the game's 15th anniversary, Braid Anniversary Edition will come out April 30th next year on Xbox One in series as well as PC. And it will be released on Netflix as well, which is weird. Uh, next up, Fat Shark developer Fat Shark is uh, planning to release a two-part update to uh, Warhammer 40K uh, called Trader's Curse, and in celebration of its uh, update, its upcoming one-year anniversary, they made this announcement. The first update will be released during November of this year, so any, any, sometime this uh, later in the in the uh, in the month. And then the second part will be released later during the winter holidays. They say so, probably early 2024. The Trader Curse will contain a, a myriad of new content, including new zones, missions, quality of life features, and an updated veteran class uh, talent tree. And next up, Windows Central reports here that independent game studio Fishing Line Games has revealed an upcoming action RPG game called Robots at Midnight, which looks pretty fun. Games come to Xbox as a console exclusive, or at least a timed one, as well as Windows for uh, both uh, the Windows Store and, uh, and Steam on PC. A cosmic fantasy set in the alternative 1980s timeline where cassette futurism is the lay of the land. Robots at Midnight features these intense combat and exploration-centric narrative full of mechanical mayhem. Players take on the role of Zoe, an unlikely hero in the the, uh, ruinous world overrun by robots. Robots at Midnight has an emphasis on fluid movement and skill-based combat. This game actually looks really fucking cool, and I would like to... Uh, give that one to go. So it's on the radar now. Next up, Netflix has revealed their a, a new animated Witcher TV show called Sirens of the Deep, which will premiere next year. Don't care. Next up, VGC says that Unity appears to have laid off some of its staff as spotted by The Verge. The company uh, made reference to potential layoffs for Q3 of 2023, uh, which is not surprising, but of course, you know, always sad for seeing a lot of this. And then finally, VGC uh, relays that Ubisoft's detailed the Avatar Frontiers of Pandora season pass, including the $110 gold edition of the game or the $130 ultimate edition of the game. Season pass comes with two story packs, which are detailed in the article write-up that um, on VGC as well as Ubisoft's blog. They're called Skybreaker, which is coming out in summer and ahead of uh, 
uh, which will come out before the second expansion, The Secrets of the Spires, uh, which comes out in the fall. So summer and fall next year, two expansions. So that's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Got like a, got like a, what is it, like cold sore, kinger sore, whatever it is. On oh, my tongue, it's making it hard to speak. It's like, you know, it's like, eh. I'm trying to talk. It feels like I'm starting to lisp out here. So anyway, that's okay. We're at the uh, end of the show now. The comments, the shout outs, it's the wrap up. It's the best part of the show. It's the part of the show you listen to if you have a massive brain with just the right amount of cell, cellular data, uh, brain cellular data. Uh, comments, shout outs, comments. You go over to questions. Uh, you go over to youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast, drop a comment on the latest episode of the podcast, subscribe while you're there, and then leave a five-star review. If you're on podcast services, if you feel inclined to leave anything less than a five-star review, just feel free to save it. We don't need to hear it here. Five-star review. If you like the show, uh, no review at all. If you don't like the show that way, only the, only the good people find out how good the show is and the people who don't like the show, no one else needs to know that. Okay. Thank you so much for your participation. We only have three comments to go through this week. We already read one at the top of the show, which would have been four, uh, but now we got three comments left. So it's going to be a quick one this, uh, this week. We don't have a whole lot to go through here. So maybe that's, uh, to my benefit because uh, my tongue's like starting to swell up from this. Um, I don't know, how do you get these things stressed? Is this herpes? Am I dying? Uh, Kronke writes in and says, I just want to say I firmly disagree with your notion that caught, co- uh, with, or your notion in the COD community that Call of Duty should move away from being an annualized franchise. I think it's genuinely a terrible idea that would kill the franchise overnight. Think about it. If the Super Bowl skipped a year, it would never be as big as it was. If E3 missed a year, imagine how that would have worked. Oh, wait. If you skip a year, you will lose people permanently. I don't see why the fan base wants the game to be less popular, but it seems like a bad idea to me. Also, imagine if a COD game was, uh, or is a quote-unquote bad one then you gotta go wait four or five years sounds like the death of halo this is actually a pretty decent point that i guess we don't really know the answer to but it could be potentially the the case that so much of what keeps the call of duty momentum going is the fact that it is annualized it's just knowing that it is this old reliable every year it will be there every november some years it's better than others but it's always of a certain quality that's fun it's fluid it's response it's reliable and it's a good time. And I do think there is something to that. And it is incredibly risky to move away from that. I just think at some point you do so much more damage to your brand. These games are becoming so expensive to make, so time consuming to make. It almost, you know, would behoove you to choose the quality over the consistency of release. And I almost wonder if it's like it's going to get to a point where game development is just so resource and time consuming that you have to make this decision of do we do every other year releases so we can extend these dev cycles or do we uh, keep the ball going and just get even more people on board or scale back the scope of the games to keep the projects more manageable i just feel like something's got to give at some point or another because it just keeps being the case that sledgehammers games keep getting shafted and fucked and reworked and all these things and you know Treyarch's had some tri- uh, tribulations in the past as well it seems like for the most part <clears throat> Infinity Ward's the only team that's ever really given the full development cycle to do what they need to do to make a full-fledged proper release every three to four years so I don't know man I just feel like the risk is huge you're right it's a really good point you make but at the same time it's like at what point do the consumers finally catch on and say enough is enough you keep selling a shit we're gonna stop buying it you know 
And I know it's so easy for Call of Duty haters or casuals to not understand the nuanced difference between Call of Duty games and just be like, well, you've been playing the same shit forever, or, or the game's been shit forever, or the game's been broken forever. Oh, don't you see? Don't you see? This YouTuber told me they don't like the balancing of this one weapon, which means everyone hates this game and the game's complete dog shit. It's like, yeah, it's it's okay that you live in a fucking microcosm where you can delude yourself into thinking that that's true. But the fact of the matter is that the tens of millions of people who buy Call of Duty every single year generally are pretty happy. And while there's always an era of negativity around every Call of Duty game because that's just how people are, th this one's a little different. Because for the first time, it's like, you know, even the critics who are normally like, yeah, Call of Duty is good, reliable, fun, are like, hey, guys, this game actually sucks. And the Call of Duty fans that are usually there, like, oh, yeah, it has these problems, but they can fix it are like, hey, this game kind of feels fucked. <laughs> and there's a certain attitude about this time where it's not just the typical belly aching, like, oh, they took out this one very specific multiplayer mode. That means Call of Duty is dead. Call of Duty's never coming back. Like, that, that's the psycho people who, who say that shit. Don't let that dominate the way you think about it. The truth of the matter is, generally, people are pretty satisfied with these games. But for the first time, we're seeing, like, hey, this, this game is like snake oil. Why are you trying to sell this shit to us? And if you keep down that road, I don't think you have to worry about whether or not it's a good idea to keep the train rolling by having it annualized or not, because you might just burn everyone on there, you know? Let the train have some stops. We know you like the 24-hour service, but maybe it's better that, that you got to sometimes wait for your next train to come as opposed to lighting the train on fire and burning everyone aboard. You know what I'm saying? It's a terrible analogy, but I just wanted to start making one anyway. Uh, Mike Clark wrote in and says, my official Xbox podcast. Thank you. Uh, at least I'm official with somebody. Have a wonderful week. And final comment comes from ERNC0505 who says, Hello, you're my favorite weekly third shift working listener. So you said, Hello, your favorite weekly third shift working listener. Here with a long-winded comment. I've been listening to you since episode 71. That's a little over three years ago. Now me and the people want to know. Sorry, I'm like so fixated on the fact that you said over three years ago. I'm like, what the fuck? But yeah, you're right. That's... That's crazy. Thank you for the support, man. I appreciate that. Anyway, oh, I'm reading that wrong. That's why I keep getting tripped up. I think there's a there's a double there's a double sub subject there. We need we need. Uh, anyway, you say I and the people want to know if you and said girlfriend will be getting married. If I recall, you and your or if I recall, your brother got married last year and your sister got married this year. So we so when can the Xbox on clan and we here at the Xbox on clan want to know when said girlfriend will turn into a fiance and then a wife. Also. The new house will, uh, with the new house, will you two be bringing kids into the picture? Love the podcast. Keep up the good work, my man. P.S. It's a comment who has time for proper punctuation. Okay. I'm glad you addressed it. No, no offense, but I, I'm, I'm like losing my mind here. Like, I'm like, what am I reading this wrong? What's happening? I don't give a shit. It's all good. E.R.N. Earn. Earn C. I don't know. Thank you for writing and I appreciate you as always. Hope you're doing well. Hope you have an excellent week in, in, in taking care. Uh, I appreciate the support, dude. Three years of support. That's, it's fucking crazy. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. You're insane. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. But no, kids, absolutely no. No kids. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. I don't talk about my girlfriend a lot on the podcast just because I, I don't know. That's like the one thing I need to keep private for some reason because I don't need you guys to find out that she that, that I don't really have a girlfriend and that I'm making it all up. Okay, please. God, for the love of God, let me just let me just let, if I can just convince you guys of one thing, just let me let me make you think it's cool and that it's it's, it's true and that it's it's awesome that I, I have a girlfriend. And she's real and she's definitely not made up and she's definitely not she's definitely not a collage of of, of of different pictures of pretty girls I found in magazines. I stitched them all together and, 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 and tried to make it look like I have a girlfriend. Please stop. 
But no, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't. We gotta talk about my married life. We're, we're supposed to talk about video games here. I don't, I don't know. House, house is the important one. I, I, I do a little backwards. I don't know. I don't. I, I guess I'm kind of open with this conversation because I've had it so many times, and sometimes you get a little bit of judgment for it, and sometimes it's like I don't. I know what I'm doing is what makes sense for me, so I'll just go out and say it. House is what matters first because weddings. While I respect people's desire to do the traditional wedding you know, spend the 30, 40 grand, invite all your friends and family, have the whole shindig a day you'll remember for the rest of your life. I get that. I respect that. And I appreciate why people want to do that. I don't want to do that. I never, I never want to have a proper wedding. <laughs> it's, it's just, to me, it's like, I, you know, I, I don't come from like a affluent family and my girlfriend doesn't have the situation where like either one of our parents are going to be, you know, paying for a wedding. And I can't imagine in a world ever justifying to myself, saving tens of thousands of dollars to, have a wedding so that I can, so I can burden everyone in my life with having, being forced to come out on one specific day just for me to be like, Hey guys, remember this girl I've known forever. I'm going to kiss her in front of a guy of the church. And then it's going to be, we're going to get a paper that says we, we belong together. So I just, I, I just can't do it. I think it's romantic. I think weddings are great. I think they're fun. I think it is romantic to want to have a dream wedding and to do it your way and to have a day to publicly display your affection and love for one another in front of the people that matter the most to you in this world. Like I, I, I do really understand, respect, and appreciate uh, the, the, the structure and the societal desire and drive towards the traditional wedding. But for me, it's just, it's not a thing. I don't, I don't believe, I know it sounds weird because I have a podcast where I'm the only host. So the attention is solely focused on me at all times, but I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like having the spotlight on me. And I, I don't think I would love to have a day where it's like, I need everyone in my life and everyone in her life to, to, to come together and just look at us and make it all about us. And I just, I couldn't do that. So uh, proper wedding, not going to happen. And proper. And so, and so that, that takes marriage and makes it like a background priority. I love my girlfriend very much. We've been together for over eight years now. Um, I wouldn't want to be with anyone else. And as far as I'm concerned, we're basically just married. Um, we have had the discussion for many, many years, and it is important to both of us that one day we do get married. Um, if I had it my way, we'd just go to the fucking courthouse, save a bunch of money, and be done with it. But uh, we'll, we'll do something one day. We've talked about it. We, it's just... At the end of the day, it's like the cost of getting married is kind of fixed, right? You know, if you're not going to do a big shindig, if you're not going to do a proper wedding, a wedding costs virtually nothing, and you can just kind of do it at your own pace, at your own leisure, and in your own way of doing it. But the house is like the big kicker. The house is like, you know, we our original plan was to buy a house in 2020. This was before the pandemic. We had a really realistic goal in mind. Housing was like kind of doable. It was like pretty good. And then everything that's happened in the past three years has fucked everything up. And so like our number one objective for the past couple of years is like, we got to figure out the house thing because things are only getting worse and worse and worse in the house housing market. I don't want to end up in a position where it's like, I'll never be able to buy a house. Like I just, I got to figure that out first because that's a big expensive asset whole ordeal. It's such a huge part of your financial future is how you pay to live month to month. And I got like, to me, that was a thing. So like now that the house is sorted out, I don't give a shit about the rest. I don't want kids. I don't know how people afford kids. It makes no fucking sense to me. Like to all the people, I know there are dads who listen to the show. God fucking bless all you. I have no idea how you do it. I don't know how people have the energy. I don't know how they have the time. I don't know how they have the money. It's, it, it blows my fucking mind. Like I, I'm the way I, I view Life is very much the way I play my video games, which is like, don't, there's no shame in bumping a game down to easy mode. You try hard mode, 
it's too hard, go down to normal mode. Most people are cool with that. But when you bump a game from normal mode to easy mode, there's you get a little bit of a you get a little bit of a mean look. It's like, really, man, you got to go down to easy mode. I'm not one of those people. I am shameless. Whatever you got to do to have a good time, I think is what you should do. So to me, opting out of having kids is like bumping life down to easy mode. It's like normal mode has become too hard officially. So I'm bumping this down to easy mode, which means no kids. It's just a fucking couple dual income and house. If you can, if you can lock that down and make it work, maybe you can sustain a future where you can continue to play Call of Duty year in and year out and bitch and moan about the minutia of who's developing it and what decisions Activision made. And you can talk in your microphone in your boxers to a crowd of like a hundred people and be like, "Hey guys, I played Xbox and here's what I thought about it." And you can uh, drink all the Mountain Dew flavors. But the second you have kids, it's like, oh my god. You got to stop being selfish. You got to start focusing on another life. You got to start focusing on what's best for them and what they need from you and start making sacrifices and things come out. I, I, I can't, I can't do it. Can't do it. So house accomplished. That's the big one for me. We'll do something with the wedding. We'll get married at some point. That's, that's on the bucket. That's on the list. It's on the list. It's actually much higher on the list now that the house is taken care of, but slow your roll. We'll, we'll do it all in good timing. We got to plan for it. We're not going to do like a run to the courthouse and get it over with thing, but we're not going to do a proper wedding. We're just going to, we're going to figure it out. We got, we got some plans. We got some coals. Uh, what is it? Irons in the fire, coals in the fire, whatever the fuck it is, the expression. We'll figure all that out. But for now, it's just the house is done. And this, this whole procedure has been so stressful. Honestly, I just want to, I just want to fucking, like I said, I, I've been saying it for weeks now, sit in my house, play some Halo Infinite, crack open an ice cold uh, game fuel. It's all, it's all there is to do. No kids. No fucking kids. I got cat, though. I have a cat. I have become that obnoxious person that tries to equate pet ownership to chi- uh, to parenthood, which I know for real parents can be frustrating because it's like you have no fucking clue how much more of a burden, how much more of a an emotional investment there is in being a parent to an actual human child versus uh, having a dog or a cat. But because I don't know, because I, I acknowledge I don't know what it's like to be a genuine parent, um, I do have that obnoxious, frustrating uh, emotional attachment to my my pet. And so to me, I'm like, I have a cat. She brings all the happiness in the world. I can I can feel my stress melt away when I rub my face in her furry little her furry little body whenever she's a little cat, she's a little a little blob of black cuteness. And uh, I, lo- I love her. So she's the, the, got the daughter. We're good, okay? God damn, I have no idea. Shout out to all the, the I don't know if there are any mommies that listen to the show because we have like almost no female listenership, unfortunately. Uh, but shout out to all the parents out there who listen to the show. I know there's a lot of daddies out there. You guys are fucking rock stars. Don't know how you fucking do it. God bless you. But uh, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for writing in. Now, feel free to write in. Let me know your story. You got you got a girl? You got a guy? Would you, would you, you got a, you got a freaking Maserati? What's, what's the deal, man? What are we doing here? Huh? Cats? Pets? Gotta get a pet. Gotta get two. Gotta get. Probably get another cat though. We have talked about that. Probably gonna get another cat once uh once this cat gets settled into the new place because now we got some space to justify having more than one pet so it's not animal cruelty anymore. But uh, anyway, that's it for the show. Uh, we haven't talked about Xbox in like thirty five minutes, so we should probably end it here. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, I guess that's a wrap on um fucking what four four years of recording uh in out of this little eight hundred square foot apartment. It's been fun. It's been real. It's uh, what is it? David always used to say it's been real. It's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. So we'll see you next week for another episode of Xbox on It might be a little bit of a different format, but nonetheless, it will be there. So uh, you guys have a wonderful week. Take care. Be well, be safe, drink 
plenty of fluids, uh, eat your green vegetables, exercise. If you do have kids, God bless you. If you have cats, God bless you. You're doing the Lord's work. If you have a house, be sure that you mow your grass. Don't piss off your HOA. And if you have an apartment, God, uh, be grateful that you don't have to fucking uh, replace your AC if it goes out. And if you own an Airbnb, just know that you're, you're 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 helping destroy the fucking housing market. Oh, and if you are OJ Simpson, just know I don't have an opinion on what you did to your wife. I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, if you are if you're transitioning from high school to college, just know it actually doesn't get any better than this, and that your whole life is downhill from here. And that uh, if you're not happy now, uh, surprise surprise, you'll never be happy. Oh, and also just know uh, if you're Xbox, you're never gonna get nominated for Game of the War uh, Game of the Year awards. Oh, and just know that if you're Jeff Keighley, um, you're probably gonna have another creepy freaking european guy hop up on stage at the game awards and say something about bill clinton so i hope you have your detail in order so that uh they can they can handle that person appropriately and uh that's gonna do it for this week's podcast goodbye how are your dreams